And we're back with the 16th episode of the podcast for the recently deceased. Not sure what's going on with our internet. Hopefully that does not continue through the episode. Um, I'm Nate Roberts. And I am Rodney Godek. I hope it doesn't continue as well. I'm excited to have our conversation tonight. Uh, but yeah, it was a little jittery, little bugs, uh, working them out for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, but I, I think we'll be okay, right? That sounds good. This is better than it was a minute ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're connected now. Um, so hopefully we can go all the way. Uh, Do right. you remember the whole term computer bug happened in the 50s or whenever, and there was an actual moth or something that was in one of the boards in the giant, you know, house-sized computer that they had? No. Did you ever hear that that story? No, I did not. Yeah, apparently that's a real thing. That's where it came from. Yeah, it was an actual bug. You'd think I would have heard that. I was in IT for like 15 hey, years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked that I know this stupid yeah. piece of fucking knowledge. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, when my first interview, um, the tech person said, uh, what's the BSOD? And I couldn't for the life of me answer the question. And uh, at the end of the interview, I was like, what's the BSOD? It's like the blue screen of death. I'm like, yeah, okay, I know what that is. We just call it the blue screen where I come from. Like you're, Yeah, you're, yeah. no like one says you're, you're BSOD. Like, you're going you're not going to hire me because I didn't know what the fucking BSOD was? <laughs> yeah. I did not get that job. Well, <laughs> yeah around here i'm the bfd yeah um, exactly okay. <laughs> okay yeah yeah so idgaf there you go lol <laughs> <laughs> tonight raffle <laughs> tonight we have a double feature uh whose theme is victim blaming uh both films uh tackle the subject in different ways um they were. Do they succeed? They Do were. They fall on their face. <laughs> they were not the Do easiest. They hit it out of the park. <laughs> they were not the easiest movies to watch, um, but they, they definitely both had uh, merit. In my. When you mind. say that, what, what what do you what are you alluding to whenever you say that? Whenever they're not the easiest to watch, like that they're not great. So for for if I'm just gonna throw it out there, uh, you know, Night's End uh, had some uh, pacing problems and uh definitely just kept uh you know hitting you with his his condition over and over and over again and um i am agoraphobic so for me it was also like eh, this is probably written by a guy who doesn't know much about agoraphobia uh <laughs> so sure okay um, and take back the night. I feel like, I feel like an asshole now because I didn't even think about it in that context when I was watching it. I wasn't even relating it to that. Ah, I'm an idiot. That's all right. That's okay. Um, take back the night was you know it was it was way more indie, had a much smaller budget, I would guess, than Night's End. Uh, just I based would, on yeah, I think so. yeah, just based on production value, like uh, quality of camera, um, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And so, so take back the night felt very much like a, like an indie movie, mm-hmm. which which it definitely was, and it was and it was supposed to. But the shaky cam, ugh, it gets tiring, man. I, I, I like I couldn't even take the shaky cam yeah. in like the in the Bourne movies. I was like, well, I'm over. This. Well, sure. I mean, I guess the <laughs> only thing that benefits a movie like this is they're not going to do as many jump cuts as a movie right. like that would do. So you're not going to get sick in that regard. It's just gonna. The shaky cam didn't bother me at all. I kind of accepted the the indie quality, and it, that didn't deter me. It was really just the the storytelling and the narrative. And 
uh, it's a film for me in generalization that where it's like uh, what's progressing it from start to finish is really just the the happening of events. There's not a lot of artful touches. Yes. That immerse you and it's just you're watching the events unfold and like you know the the audio quality from time to time would be lacking where you could tell that the right. sound mixing just was inadequate yep. and the cinematography from time to time and then yep. the cg that they ended up having to use for, for the, the monster, monster so. yeah but, yeah the cg on the flies was super weak um you know but it flies like it was the flies yeah. didn't bother me at all <laughs> yeah i i actually liked the just like the black shadowness of the creature and sometimes the yeah. arms would pop out. Like I thought that was a neat effect for not having a lot of budget for the monster. Um, for yeah. me, for me, the bigger issue was the flies. <laughs> yeah. Looking, uh, looking, so, looking very bad. So hashtag, hashtag horror community. Who wore it best? The lost smoke <laughs> monster or take back the night <laughs> smoke, smoke monster. monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's about the smoke. It's about the smoke. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, we're going to deviate a little from form tonight. Um, warning, there will be spoilers as always, but instead of uh, giving you the beat-by-beat beat or the play-by-play, play, um, we are just going to kind of uh, have a we conversation. We should come up with more ways to say that because we yeah. do the beat-by-beat, beat, the play-by-play. Play. We, sh- we should come up with more... Uh... Right. Uh, euphemisms the, for that. The, the step by step, the the uh, um, uh yeah, or, I don't know. We, I obviously don't have any. Right. We could we could we could also come up with ones that are like um on theme for the night. Like uh day by day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um I was noticing on the Twitch it's like buffers a little bit, but I imagine the stream everything's looking okay. Uh yeah, I've had a green uh upload uh six thousand okay, six thousand K since we since we came back. Great. So. All right. So it should be good. So yeah, we we are gonna do a different format where we're gonna we'll see how it goes. We'll just try to have a natural conversation about the themes in this because and I think that'll benefit these movies because you know, we're gonna start with Night's End, correct? Yes, we are gonna start with Night's End. Okay, so and like you said, spoilers abound, so be prepared. Uh, uh, before so, we start, before we start, like yeah. a sh- shout out to uh, to Tom Crabtree, who turned forty last week. Um, hey, and, happy belated again <laughs> on the live stream, Tom. Yeah. And and he actually, wa- oh, there he is, there he is. He uh, he watches on Tuesdays because he does dishes while he shaves his head, and he listens to us uh, talk about horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight will be more fun than other nights, I think, because this is going to be a bit more. Uh, it'll be exciting, yeah. I think. Yeah, and then it'll be the first time we definitely, uh, Rodney and I, definitely disagree on something too. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited. But first, uh, something we agreed on: uh, Night's End, um, directed by Jennifer Reeder. An anxious shut-in moves into a haunted apartment, hiring a stranger to perform an exorcism, which quickly takes a horrific turn. Um, right away, I'm going to take issue with anxious shut-in as a description for this main character who clearly has a phobia. Because shut-in is like a term for someone who chooses to, like, reclude himself from society, right? Like, um, like Alan Moore, I would consider a shut-in. Uh, he can still go outside if he wants to. This character, uh, could 
cannot in his mind. Like he's in a prison, a mental prison, and that's just, um, and that is what he's suffering from as he, you know things happen to him. And in through this movie, once again, I said this: both of these movies are about victim blaming. He's gonna say that there's shit going on, and they're gonna be like, "Well, have you been drinking?" Well, is, right. your, is it your medication? Have you talked to your therapist about it? Yeah. And instead of instead of just believing him, um, yeah, that's a fair point. And like, I didn't, you know, the for me, he's a much more well. It, let's just talk about it in the terms of this movie. He's yeah. an extremely sympathetic character. Oh yeah, I yeah. I I attached to his plight, uh, his sadness, his grief, uh, and I thought that the way that this movie depicted it was very interesting and it was a slow burn it, and it, we'll get to it and but in general like it's too slow of a burn for the payoff that ends up happening like it probably could have been shortened abbreviated a, a good 20 minutes right with, which at least with right, what they did and it's a 80 it's already 81 minutes so if you take 20 right. minutes off you're talking about like a, an episode of of creep show or any of those other anthology um, shows instead of a, a, a full black mirror feature. You know? yeah, black mirror. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, and I, and I think this would have been a great episode of one of those shows uh, instead of uh, instead of just like a below average uh, movie. Well, and did you hear or double check to see um, Jennifer reader is uh, from uh, a bit of a, a VHS uh, background. She was in VHS 94 and did a segment, the Holy Hell segment. She was a part of that. Yep. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. And I think there was one other uh, credit on her that made me think about oh, well, knives, well, was... knives and Skin. Knives yeah. and Skin, which, which yeah. I didn't see, but like is obviously like... Yeah, you're aware of. Uh, and a lot of shorts. And so I feel like maybe it's indicative of a person that comes from that heavy background where you're there because this feels like there's a lot of filler uh that a lot of the story could have been truncated to yeah. fit in the short format and yeah. i'm not saying it it makes the movie fail but it definitely is a noticeable uh vamping of the events that are occurring unnecessarily at times uh, yeah i totally agree it was it was slow for seemingly slow slowness sake <laughs> like uh so yeah. this was this was not written by jennifer reader just directed written by brett uh, nouveau and uh or nevue <laughs> and you know so so we don't know when uh, uh someone directs someone else's work we don't know if they're working together or if um this is like just a job right somebody has a script and somebody's looking for a director and they got oh this woman we like her let's get her to direct this this movie um so we don't know you know who's at fault here for, um, you know, or if there even is someone to blame for for how long, you know, it kind of takes to ramp up. And I'm a, and I love a slow a slow burn, right? Like A24 mm -hmm. is is yeah. all I I almost own every single one of their movies. Um, and <laughs> the ending was good, like it was yeah, like it was good. Um. It just, the ending went uh, it went off the rails oh, yeah. in a really great way, but it was like totally completely different from the right. first eighty percent of the movie. Right, right. It de it definitely takes a sh takes a shift, and you can't. You it almost takes you to another place as as a viewer too. Like you're like, 
because you're you're invested in his story and his sadness, yeah. right? And right. and you're and it's slow and you're paying attention because there's not a lot of dialogue. So when there is dialogue, you're really like connected, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this like this wacky turn, and you're like, you're like, oh, this feels like a completely different movie for ten minutes or five yeah. minutes, like. A, and, yeah, and it almost kind of like uh, makes it uh, sort of uh, it almost erodes all of the good faith or goodwill that it built towards the lead right. and the emotional connection because now you're kind of like it's kind of a mockery of a type thing that's occurring by the end, and so the emotional impact and weight of all the things that he was going through are sort of now comical and lighthearted and sort of like, oh my god, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right, right, and and uh, uh, I don't know if we should spoil the end yet. I don't. I guess it doesn't matter if this. It's is a little great. bit early, but it, it's it's fine. Like so. So when he gets out of his house finally, yeah, to see that um, essentially the the world is about to end. There's like <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a kind of a sick joke on on the main character, right? Like right. He's like, finally Oh, you're out of your house. Well, well, well everyone too bad. Too bad. <laughs> like yeah. jokes on you. Um yeah. which which also doesn't feel good. Um like you know, there's a big difference between like a Stephen King novel or a Stephen King film adaptation or anything done in what I call like Stephen King style where the bad guy wins. And there, yeah. there's there's a difference between the bad guy winning feeling really good and satisfactory versus the bad guy winning in this movie. Right, right? yeah. <laughs> the way that this movie ends is like the way that Drag Me to Hell tries to get you to feel during the whole thing where you're kind of rooting for the demonic presence to do crazy shit to the characters. And it's fun because they're reveling in the activities that they're doing. Uh, you know, like in I can't I, I only saw Dragon Hell once, but you've seen it, correct? Oh yeah, right? absolutely, I love it. And wasn't there a scene where the the goat or the lamia is like talking while they're doing a big séance ritual near the midpoint or end of the movie, where it, like it starts like talking and it's like the goat like Oh yeah, I am the la- I am the lamia or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like so funny. Well, it's just because. Because it's just absurd. Like, yeah, this is a ridiculous idea, yeah. and we're just gonna have fun with these characters doing it. Same thing that Malignant did. It's right. uh, it's it's a it's a uh, it is well aware of what it is and how absurd it is, and it's playing with it. This movie plays with it by the end, the final live stream with Dark Corners webcast, and uh, I wish it would have been doing it more so because it only did it in right. small snippets with the friends that were talking with him because every other moment it was very tonally serious with, uh, with him. Well, so, okay. So the other note or another thing I thought I was cool about this movie was this Michael Shannon, uh, he's in the movie for like three scenes for a minute a piece. And he has like the funniest dialogue as the guy's ex wife's (laughs) new husband or live in boyfriend, whatever. And he is, He's so funny because he's also obsessed with these uh, ghost hunter uh, podcasts and web shows. Yeah. And and so you know the main character who I would like to stop calling him that. Um, well, yeah. So here's Ken the, Ken, the Ken Barber, name. right? Ken, Ken Barber. Ken Barber. Yeah. He's not even like okay. The um, top cast whenever I'm at the IMDb, Michael oh, yeah. Shannon, uh, <laughs> his wife, 
one of the podcasters, a different podcast, the ghost, and then him. It's like right. he's what the why is he listed so far down? He's holding, carrying the movie. It's all him. Yeah, it's all him. It's not cool to list him sixth in your list of cast, IMDb. Yeah. Correct yeah. it. Jesus. Yes. Ken Barber, main character of that movie. Um uh played by Gino Walker. Yeah, and, and he did an amazing job. Uh, yeah. I loved everything about the apartment, um, how like meticulously clean it was, how he removed the labels from all of the food, and then label makered his own labels yeah. onto like the food. Like old school, old yeah. school Typex with the yeah. raised embossed lettering. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, he's uh, into he's sort of an amateur ornithologist. He's into right. birds. He has a, a eye for or an interest in horticulture. He's yeah. got lots of plants, and he cares. Lots of orchids. Yep. So yeah, so, he's a very well fleshed out character. So to I guess start to clue the audience in, while he he has because um, so he has agoraphobia and he has video conferences with his friends and that's how that's how he stays social. During a call with his best friend, who uh, was also very good, Terry Gilson is the character played by Felonius Monk. Uh, so when he's talking to Terry, Terry sees one of his uh, stuffed birds just fall off the shelf. Yeah. And from that, you know, he he wonders, is my place haunted? And then and then strange things start to occur. And um, yeah, it's you know. the impetus for the events to unfold. But yeah, it's like the you know. Anxious, anxious shut-in is how they describe it with Haunted Apartment. But, yeah, the Haunted Apartment doesn't happen until that beat. Right. And, really, uh, it looks like he's obviously processing stuff, and he's just living, and he's recording uh, <laughs> videos for YouTube. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> it starts with um, with Ken Barber's management tips. Management tips, And then it gets to uh, Ken Barber's long life tips. Long life and tips. And he's... Yeah, and then he's doing the long life tips, and that's when the bird thing happens. And then I right. think he just it starts to become something else. But right, and then he does and he's only and it's funny because I think about it with our videos, and that we don't have a great viewership just yet. Oh, but, sure. Because he's like talking to his friend about like how oh you know total like forty three views, and the guy's like oh, is that good? <laughs> and then he's like no, it's not. No, it's not. not. Good at all. <laughs> that's, all the videos combined, and this one has twenty eight. And but his friends encouraged, and he's like all right, well if Ken Barber's lifelong tips are what is working, then maybe you need to lean into that and focus right. on it. All of the conversations with the other characters and him are all very honest and serious or sincere conversations that you can kind of get behind. Uh, it's it's hard to not note that this is seemingly like a, a COVID-induced film where the fact that they can't interact in person is a benefit to the story almost as if maybe that was the impetus. Let's make a story or write a story where there is separation. Right. How can we make an interesting story because of those constraints? Uh, so th it, they did it well because it feels like it could just be its own thing. Whether you knew COVID was a thing or not, uh, it still works as its own um, entity, you know, as its own piece of art. Right, right. Um, so... We uh, we did we eventually get introduced to a character um, who here he is Lawrence Grimm uh, played by Colin yeah. Albertson and this is like this guy's the comic relief right no He's, Colin <laughs> Albertson played by oh Lawrence did I have it backwards 
Yeah. Yeah. Colin uh, Everson is the name of the character. He's right. written a book, uh, Ghosts and Their pos- their Personas, I think. Yeah. Right? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. And that's where Ken comes across him. Ken is doing the research on the thing, and he comes across his book, and he mentions it. And so now this guy says that he found out about it, and he's reaching out and talking to Ken. Right. So this was has... a cool character. I love this guy. He yeah. was great. He was he was very intense, very um, very like fifties horror, like uh, yeah, like Vincent Price. Vincent Price thing. is exactly yeah. what I, like the way he was. He was a showman in every line of dialogue. Um, he was a, he was a, himself was playing a character, and and even at the end, he 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 breaks character for like one line, and then he goes right back into the character, and it's almost like that's where the viewer catches him. And it's like, oh, Ken, no! If we didn't already think he was up to no good, but uh, it was, too, yeah. you know, it was too late. <laughs> I mean, it, I just, I want to talk about him. Like, there, yeah, his delivery by the end of the film, uh, whenever Ken is going through the spirit jar, yeah, and he eventually gets to the other item, the way that he's like, well, that's this, <laughs> and like, it was hilarious. Like, and it's just that break. Uh, he provided. Like, you weren't sure what he was doing. You knew that there was nefarious things, but the way the character was written and the way that it unfolded, I wish that there was more of him and more uh, of the energy injected into it because it was just, there was too many moments where it wasn't a lot happening and yeah. that livened it up. Right, right. So, exactly. So, that's what this movie was lacking, right? Where, um, it was lacking stakes. Uh, there were never stakes sure. until right. the end. When he's doing this, the, 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 the seance with the jar, that's the one and only time um, something really uh, bad is going to happen or something at all is really going to happen um, besides more dialogue. And so what we needed was maybe instead of the jar bringing forth the demon that ends the world, the jar could have manifested the demon that he has to fight or run away, run away from. Or maybe, right. maybe, that, maybe that stance happens halfway through the movie, and that's when the hauntings really begin. And, oh, then the, sure. and then the hauntings have to escalate to a certain point for the for the demon to to take is you know obviously I'm, right. uh, now I'm talking about a different movie but that's what this movie was but lacking. That's, that's fair though because that's where it really got interesting and the, that's the thing the disconnect between the emotional weight of Ken's actual story or his arc is foiled by the end where it starts to become absurd and making fun of itself because. I'm sorry, and this isn't a hateful type thing, uh, but the other podcaster with Dark Corners, uh, right. the other really goth, emo, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. punk uh, rock uh, guy, Leiden Knight. Right. Played uh, by ha- Theo Germain. Is, has a, uh, an extremely exaggerated, effeminate voice. Whether it's intentional or not, it's just the character. Maybe it's just this guy's voice. It, whatever it is, that's fine. I don't care. But it was comically effeminate and uh, hilting and high-pitched. And the, so whenever he was getting freaked out with the things that were happening, it sounded kind of comically silly because it sounded so childish. And it's an adult with a thing. And that's the thing. It, by the end, you're talking about the the emotional stakes that didn't exist. It 
there's no way to to get there. Like it was kind of building it with some of the interactions with his best friend. Whenever they start to con- confront him about alcoholism, You're right? Uh, whenever the ex-wife and the the new husband that she has is seemingly having a good relationship, and he's not seeing his daughters. They're like, you need to see the daughters, and you got to call. Uh, there's you all these call things. Him. It's like you got to yeah. call him. Yeah. There's all this like meaningful stuff. It, those were good emotional stakes type moments, but by the end, if you're going to culminate and have a conclusion that is all about uh, heightening all those, it's foiled whenever you have to do cuts from one character to another to another to another that aren't interacting in person, that are just screen grab, screen grab, and you're just seeing yeah. them react to the camera. It's extremely difficult to pull off. Like it, You care, but then by the time it gets absurd, you just want to have fun in the absurdity, right. and you kind of don't care anymore about yeah what you were led to care about the whole time. Yeah, that I mean that's I think that's exactly what happened with the um uh, with the podcast at the end, right? Um or the the web show or whatever it was called, Dark Corners. Um yeah. like like it was fun and like the host the main host was funny as as he's like doing his spiel cuz it's his show, right? Yeah. yeah, and he's like trying to to host it and uh <laughs> the guy uh what's his goddamn his name um Colson or Albertson. Uh, Colin Albertson, yeah. yeah Colin, Colin Albertson. He's like trying to begin the seance or whatever, and Dark Corners is asking him questions like, okay, and so what is – like, what, you need to stop talking. I have to do this ceremony, and you cannot be interrupting me once I begin. And he's like, oh, okay, oh, shit, sorry. Okay, man, okay, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Um but yeah, so like it's not that I I don't hate the movie because of that turn it takes. I love that it takes that turn because for me most of it was like just a slog, and I enjoyed what was happening. I liked to see his feelings and um, his deterioration as it progressed, his his loss of sanity. I enjoyed the ride. I just wish that the excitement of the end would have been more involved throughout the most of the other story to kind of keep it all a, a better mixture of fun and serious and it, it, just a different way. It, it's hard to say. I don't think yeah. I, I'm not trying to correct it, but no, there's no, something no, I, lacking. It was just the cohesiveness of it that yeah. wasn't there. I, I agree. Like it had it had elements that I enjoyed. Like there was parts of the 71 minutes that. I really, really liked about his solitude and him connecting, um, you know, over webcam. And then there was parts about that last 10 minutes that was, you know, hilarious and fun. And um, <coughs> But the way it all came together, unfortunately, right, we needed – I think we needed more on the way um, if you were if – if it was going to end that way. Um, if it was going to end a different way, you know, maybe the seven, you know, the 70 minutes was fine. Like if it ends, uh, more of like a, more of like a traditional slow burn where you get the reveal and it's more of like a direct confrontation with the main character and less of this like, like global comedy thing instead of make it more more real serious and like leave us hanging with something to think about. Um, so um, one of the but so the, some of the elements that we that they do with Ken uh, his character, which I didn't they didn't never explained and it's fine that they didn't but you know you're mentioning his the uh, the pantry items where all the labels are gone. Yeah. I think that 
one of the more entertaining entertaining aspects of it is that he throughout the film it he starts by having coffee you know he's often waking up oh in the mantra maybe you can clue me in as to maybe what oh, the mantra, mantra signifies because the, the, he counts down 10 9 yeah. 8 all the way down to 1 and then like he kind of starts over and he's just laying in bed it looks almost like insomnia yeah. like maybe he's awake overnight and then asleep during the day and then the and then the count, he counts again and this time it's slower and then he <laughs> mentions he says like the real quick line that he that he at least he made progress and then he counts again um, so for that, I'm going to guess that he's counting his breaths, um, and he, or he's counting like breaths and holds in for yeah. four, hold for four, out for four or whatever. Yeah. Um, and his cycle just happens to be a 10 count and yeah. the slower it is, is the more calm he is. And he was just having, you know, he, and the, so that's when he freaks out, he goes to his, his little counting mantra and the slower it gets means that he's slowing down and getting more and more calm. Uh, and the other the other thing that they're always mentioning is forward progress. Right, forward progress, yeah, yeah. Forward progress, that, that there's you're always growing in some kind of way, whatever way it is, any little bit is a meaningful amount. Right, right. Um, that, that's a big thing in, in, in the world of mental illness. Like, every, you know, every little win is, a, is, a, is to be celebrated, um, and, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't let setbacks uh, you know, get you down, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, to not look at how far you are from the goal, but every step closer is meaningful and impactful. And I think that the, the movie drives it home, and they do a really good job of all of that, of reinforcing what he's trying to achieve and how difficult it still is, and every day is a struggle, and, and just the sadness of it, of his uh, his existence right now and how he just he is still stuck. Um the visual cue that they represent this in, I thought it was just entertaining, and I don't think it had any other significance, but he, at, whenever I mention the coffee, he pours a cup of coffee, and he has bottles of Pepto. Yeah. Tons of bottles of Pepto. Oh, and like, he dumps it maybe in there he like just a has, creamer. Right, yeah, he <laughs> pours a little bit. At the, at the beginning of the movie, he makes a cup of coffee, and he leaves like maybe like a top fifth of the, of the mug, and then he pours a little splash of Pepto in. Yeah. As the movie progresses, that ratio changes from... 80 coffee to 20 Pepto to fucking, well, by the end, it's it's all Pepto and he has no coffee. But there was periods where he's like pouring a splash of coffee and then dumping a bottle of Pepto on it. And you see it curdling and mixing and he's that's his drink. I don't know if that's just referencing he's got like acid reflux yeah. or indigestion in general or if it's like a medicinal taste that he's like into and it's like a, a thing. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I th- I think you know especially if you're gonna take the label off because that was his condition, um, you have to go with a um, a common household brand that for the viewer is immediately recognizable, and you know indigestion, uh, irritable bowels, things like that are definitely yeah. um, anxiety symptomatic uh, things. Um, yeah. so yeah, so that is, I'm pretty sure it was pep. They chose Pepto because everyone would know what it was. Right. Give up Maalox up there. Right. Like, cause I think that was the one I liked. <laughs> I, I, I used to use like years ago, uh, for that kind of thing. Um, but you know, um, so I think that's all that was, was just to make a recognizable, you know, when you're worried, when you're anxious, your, your guts are churning, he's got to drink some Pepto and. 
Yeah. The yeah. way that it just like heightened into more and more and more by the end of it before the live stream, how he's all he's all Pepto now. He's he's oh, yeah. losing control. It's well, deteriorating. Well, if he you know he's thing about agoraphobia is you don't leave your home because you're safe in your home and you don't feel safe outside of your home. Uh, so if he has a ghost, if he's haunt, if it's haunted, he's not safe in his home now either. So, I mean, this is uh, like truly a terrifying experience for someone like that. Okay, so you mentioned the ghost. Uh, what? How do you feel about the ghost story? The ghost story is that uh, there was a. He finds out that there was a woman who, I think, what he finds out is that she committed suicide by jumping out of the uh, window up a couple stories. I think that's the original thing that he hears until it's clarified by uh, Colin uh, right. Albertson. That, is that right, uh, Roberta? You're right. That a right? Uh, that a woman tried to kill her father with an axe and Roberta, yeah, right, and failed right. and failed to do so. And then the mother pushed her out the window, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what comes. You end end up learning. It wasn't that she jumped out. Yeah, the mother did it to her. The mother was Yvonne, and uh, but shit, I'm trying to remember what Colin divulges by the end of the movie is what because he has there's a revelation that it's uh it's not like Yvonne. Someone survived like and lived for like four years later. And then ended up doing something. Isn't that like the twist? Mm. No, I thought it was. I can't remember like... if it was Roberta that lived or something. But well, but look. So at any rate, the ghost story element in the idea that uh, he is trying to use the spirit jar to uh, to free or to commune with the spirit to re- release it from its uh, bodily home of this house. You know, yeah, the, the right. spirit is stuck with the house. And so yep. he's trying to get it to move on. Uh, but the twist, and he thinks he's just helping Roberta, but then that's the twist is that Yvonne is the, the mother, is the one that's the more malevolent spirit uh, that is trying to antagonize and cause pain and come back and finish what she started with Roberta. Right. I think is the idea. I think you're right. Is it? Yeah, it, so... How do you, what are your thoughts on the whole ghost story, like that part in general, like or that uh, the ghost you know, story, the entomology the, of the haunting? I, I think the ghost story itself is fine. Once again, we I don't think we got enough of the haunting, right? Like they just right. didn't they just didn't haunt us enough. Uh, there was a couple scares. Yeah, yeah. Um, that if that were fair, it was definitely a, a heightened uh, moment where they, you know, it's the obvious stuff where the, right. the music is crescendoing and there's yeah. a, a moment, the doors and everything like that. Yeah. And then there's the, the one where her figure, her form is there. Right. And then the, yeah. the, but the dark spirit appears over her shoulder and gets the glowy eyes. Yeah. Right. That was, I thought that yeah. was good. Um, yeah. I think that the, those parts were good and they also kind of show her holding the ax. It was sort of like, sort of like Lizzie uh, Borden almost, yeah, you know, yeah. where I couldn't help but think about that. I I did too. Which and, is fine. And she's like she was holding the axe, right? Yeah, the like, yeah, in, in the in the so ghost in really... ghost form. Yes. Yeah. And then it manifests in physical reality an axe is in there by the end of it. Which right. you know, you're not gonna try to make sense of it, it's just it's it's there. It doesn't yeah. matter. Right, right, he grabs the so, axe. So uh it's the ghost 
story element that is just kind of there. And I don't, it's obviously not the forefront of what they're trying to tell. Like it's just a vehicle to get the characters to talk about something that has some in excitement to it or uh, mystique that you can exaggerate the, the, the scares of, but it's mostly then used as the vehicle for Colin Robertson to do what he ends up doing by the end. And so do you want to talk about the culmination of the movie and the, in the seance? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. By the end? Yeah. Sure. So, um, so when we get to the end, Colin his the good buddy that he is has sent his own spirit jar to, um, to Ken and, they're going to do a live seance on Dark Corners, the web show. And he sent mm-hmm. along some other items, and he sent along a uh, a passage for him to read. And he's got this gnarly book that he's going to read it at the same time uh, over the yeah, webcam. as Ken. As yep. Ken, right? Uh, so that, was... that will correct all of the – the spirit will now right, be freed. Right. Yes, so she'll be or captured in the jar to go move right. on or whatever. Well, the good spirit will be freed and the evil spirit will be in the jar. That's how Colin explains it, right? So right. everyone's so everyone wins. He's not going to trap the good spirit, right? Because that's probably something he wouldn't do. Because Ken's a pretty decent guy, right? Um, and so, yeah, and so Ken is obviously excited about being on this podcast because he thinks it'll get better visibility to what he's been doing, his Ken Barber lifelong uh, tips. Yeah. Long life lesson tips. So he's <laughs> pumped for it. His family, his best friend is supportive, uh, and his ex-wife and, and her husband are supportive. They're all excited, and they're all invited to be okay. on the show, and so it's going to be this big event, this big right. live stream event that they're doing. So it's it's DC, um, Colin, uh, the other uh, horror expert, and Michael Shannon and his ex-wife and him. Are it's it's basically mm-hmm. the 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 pod uh, the webcam camera of all of these um, for like the finale the final uh, scene here and um, yeah so, yeah third act of, a, third yeah, act, of yeah. the movie and and this is where we get the funny line where like DC's asking Colin a bunch of questions while Ken's in the other room collecting stuff uh, getting stuff ready and he's just like he's just like DC you gotta you gotta knock it off <laughs> and so he's like <laughs> then he goes back to Ken. And Ken's got the stuff. He's like, "Do you have this?" He's like, "Put that in the in the spirit jar." Do you have this? Put that in the spirit yeah, jar. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then that last item, he unwraps the last item, and it's a severed thumb. He's like, "Oh my God, what is this?" He goes, "My fucking thumb!" And he's his hand, and it's like wrapped, <laughs> and it's got like a bloody thing. And he's like, "He's like, put it in the jar." And at that point, you're yeah, like, "You're he, like, wait a minute." It is, he leans in. He, <laughs> <laughs> he leans into the camera, and he says, very like calmly, though, he's like. Put my thumb in the spirit jar, Ken. Put my thumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Just directing him. He's like, and the last item is my thumb. And yeah. He shows his bloody thumb. It's like he leans into it. It's hilarious. It it's it was great. Um, probably the best moment of the movie was the thumb reveal. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it was right there. I mean, right before that, um, I think uh, Colin is describing what he had has occurred with the other spirits, with Roberta and with Yvonne. He's describing what's occurred where Yvonne's now coming back as a, a malevolent force to, to ruin Roberto, to come exact revenge. And uh, as this is being revealed to Ken, I think it might be Ken that says, holy shit, or something like that. And he's like, holy shit indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's like yeah. those deadpan deliveries of, yeah. uh, of the events that kind of 
clue you in, like, okay, we're going to have a little bit more fun here. Yeah, yeah. Colin, so, was, Colin right, was great. So Ken starts reading the the words, and Colin is reading the words, and it kind of just and goes, it has a bit of a, an Army of Darkness vibe to it <laughs> right yeah. there. Oh, yeah. The, the words, he, he can't pronounce the words. He doesn't know how to, what to, how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because the way Colin's saying it is completely different than like almost every line Ken puts out here. Yeah, it's like me trying to read an Irish person's name, uh, a traditional Gaelic name, and what he would be saying. I'm like, Sayorsin? Sayorsin? Sersha, you asshole. Oh, okay. Samsonite, I was way off. It must work out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they get to the end of the ritual, and the the spirit jar just starts to glow, right? And uh, and Colin, you know, he goes into his his eyes glow. He's like, "Ha ha, you fools! Now the end is here, and um, mm-hmm. we've resurrected the spirit of blah blah blah, some some ancient demon," um, and. Then all the other podcasters start to scream and their eyes start to glow and like you. The yeah, everyone's sh- doing yeah. their like scream queen top of yeah. their lungs, freaking out at their cameras, horror yeah. scream, and they're all fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, and like he's and the the, the building shaking, the cameras going all over the place. He picks up the. Act. He's like engulfed in flames. Is he dying right there? <laughs> like where his body, his physical right, body is right. now destroyed and engulfed in flames. Because that's what you see. It they are CG. Yeah, uh, but it still looks cool and fun. I think um, I don't. Like, I think he's I, like his spirit is entering the demon, or he's the sacrifice yeah. to the demon. I think the demon yeah. takes over his body. That would be my guess. Um, yeah, but we don't really get to see it because Ken picks up that axe that has now materialized in his house, and he runs outside with the axe, and he just looks down the street. Well, first of all, he's outside, but he does. He's like so uh, panicked that he doesn't even realize he's outside. So I don't even think he yeah. like. I don't even think he gets to to feel the victory here, because uh, he looks down the street and this that yellow or that orange light just starts to glow one at a time out of everyone's windows of the front of their houses. And you hear the you hear the demon laughing and yeah. cackling about taking over each one of these, and you hear more screams more, a lot more from screams. each house that it's now going into. And then uh, and then credits. So yeah, I I get the feeling that the world does end here. Um, thanks to Colin Albertson's uh, ritual. Yeah. Um, which you know begs the initial question: like, if it's that easy, uh, wouldn't someone have done it, <laughs> done it by now? <laughs> like, yeah, no, this was a world-renowned. He's excellent at what he's done. Uh, no one, and no one had a willing participant because he he sort of MacGuffins Ken into doing this because uh, originally like he plants the seeds to this when he's talking to Ken alone in an earlier video chat right? where right. Uh, Ken leaves the room to go get his own spirit jar whenever he's just kind of troubleshooting what occurred with, with Ken trying to get rid of the spirit on his own. He's saying, Oh, you have a spirit jar. Okay, well go get it for me. And whenever he leaves, he like says some ritualistic word, right? That, like, so he sets it that, up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and then and then it it helps lay the groundwork for the the live seance event where he finalizes the ritual to bring forth or to bring the demon. Um, so it's just an absurd movie. Uh, yeah, and it's kind of <laughs> funny because 
because tonally it's like it is trying to achieve two different things by the end of it where the first time it's like a very serious uh piece of <laughs> where it's just you're dealing with this guy's uh baggage and trauma and and uh distress in his journey but then by the end it kind of doesn't care so much about his journey it kind of lets it go and just revels in absurd uh supernatural events that are entertaining to watch yeah right and it and it's kind of wrapped up in that in that social network thing right because he's like because he's because he's stuck in his house he's kind of like he's not obsessed with it but he's he's definitely motivated by getting more viewers getting more followers making his channel a thing because it would just yeah. make his life easier Right, um, if he could work from yeah, he doesn't want to look for work, which is what everyone wants to him to do. Him He's to not do looking it. for work because he would just rather stay here and not interact with other people. He's fine, you know. He stocks up whether it's through ordering things online or whatever it is. He has stocked all of his supplies, so he doesn't need to go out right. much, if at all. Right. So uh, yeah, and and so so yeah, they do two exactly like you said, two different things. You have this slow burn. Uh, ghost story that ends in kind of like a wacky uh, like horror comedy seance um, but you get some good commentary about social networking you get some commentary about you know victim blaming I feel like the first half of the movie no one believes Ken except for maybe yeah. the, be the best friend is kind of on his side um, and, they're, and yeah. they're they're accusing him of drinking again and not looking for work and not taking these constructive steps that they think he should be doing when he, you know, right. it's his life. He's doing what he wants to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so tonally two very different, uh, concepts, one that's 70 minutes long, one that's 10 minutes long. Um, and, and well, and the, but this is a thing where if, uh, this is what happens to most ghost stories, most movies that are about the supernatural or ghosts or hauntings have good buildup and interesting things happening. And then by the end, it really has no idea what to do. It's yeah. painted in a corner and they, they've got to reveal <laughs> How do we something. They yeah. have to conclude. Yeah. And in nine times out of 10, it, it falls flat in right. one way or another. There's only a handful of times where I've really enjoyed the the ghost stories, and I'll, I might have mentioned it before, but I'll say it again. The Skeptic, for me, was one that was a perfect ghost story. And there's more, obviously, but for me, that's one that's extremely well-crafted. What are ones that well, you think of, or what I, are some ideas of that whole right, ghost right, story? So right, yeah, so right off the top of my head, I go to the guy who, who does it right every time, and that's and that's James one and you've got the Conjuring movies and yeah. the Insidious movies where he doesn't slow burn them like these are this is a haunting where you're getting smacked in the face the whole time um, yeah. and that is done and that is, is done right um, you know I mean even like you go to like the classic haunting of the original Poltergeist there uh -huh. there are action beats all through that movie. It does not stop. I mean, you maybe get 10, 15 minutes of exposition, and then Carol Ann's gone, right? They lose their daughter right in the beginning. So the movie, you are constantly on the edge of your seat in this in this haunting, and the fucking ending, I mean, everybody knows that Poltergeist is one of the 
is one of the greats. I don't need to go, oh, to go over it. Yeah. But, like, so, like, the slow burn ones, though, jeez, oh, I don't even I, – I can't even yeah, think Yeah, where of, you're not really – it's it, – I mean – Like, the haunting That's of, the thing. Like, which one was the – what was the one with uh, Loki and uh, – it was Oh, Crimson was Peak? Crimson Peak. Yeah. Right. Okay. So there's. I mean. So Tom there's. A, yeah. Tom Hiddleston. So there's a slow burn, with a with a bizarre reveal, and you know maybe it was based on the novel or if it was a graphic novel. I know it was written by Guillermo, but I think it was based on some other fiction that he also yeah. may have written because he does do comics. I know. Um, but uh, I actually, as that was critically um, marred, I thought that was was actually okay i wouldn't i wouldn't say it was great sure <laughs> uh you know the the innkeepers comes to mind as sort of like a newer one uh if we're talking ty west and we just watched x a little while ago the innkeepers is a fantastic ghost story i don't i don't i don't remember you i don't think you've seen that one have you i haven't seen innkeepers no yeah innkeepers is a really good one it's a slow burn um but it's a ghost story that i think that it pays off while staying the same tonally and uh, and its intent is consistent from start to finish, and right. the conclusion is still makes sense and it handles what it was talking about the whole time. Uh, it wraps it up nicely, where it's like, okay, yeah, it was a good story from start to finish. It all makes sense. I can see what happened here and there, and it was satisfying the whole way. I was creeped out. I was, I was, it was eerie. It had all the vibes that it was trying to achieve, uh, and. Like we said, this movie it it does all of that. It's just it by the end it is doing something different, and the end was more fun than the first yeah. more than half of it. Right, and not like you couldn't have tacked an ending on that would have given us given us like a good payoff that matched, but the ending that we got was so different that it almost yeah. was the ending of a completely different movie. Yeah. Because yeah. I because I like the ending of it and I yeah I just, I, I don't see how you could wrap up this story with like in a serious way it would probably fall flat because you're trying to be serious about things that are hard to be serious it's a fucking ghost like what what what's supposed to happen like we don't know it's it's all made up it, it there's no you know as there's a litany of ghost hunters type shows and people believe regardless uh, Paranormal Activity obviously did a a fantastic take on the genre. Uh, but that was a very serious and scare the shit out of you type vibe, you know. Right. Well, I'm just so. ri- I'm just riffing here, but because he was agoraphobic, right? What you would do in my mind to finish it, you know, kind of properly yeah. and on and on tone is um, have him have him interacting with the ghosts in some way that there is like he somehow gets uh, gets cursed, not like living cursed, but like when he dies he's his soul's going to be bound to the house just like the other the other one is and maybe oh, yeah. and maybe that will release the other spirit so he'll like replace the other spirit and then and then he'll have to find another inhabitant to do the same thing for him in the future and then he'll he'll work up to where he can finally get out of his house and overcome his illness and then he gets like hit by a car and then he's like <laughs> and then he's like stuck in the house like the ultimate irony like I mean, I, I don't know. Once again, just right off the top of my head. Here we go. <laughs> Actually, I'm just riffing here. What if the... <laughs> uh, you just said a noun and the word gremlin. 
and I love it. <laughs> and I love it. And it's in the movie. <laughs> uh, that was, I think, their their best sketch of all time. As uh, by the way, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. If anyone has not yet seen the Key and Peele sketch with uh, <laughs> the Gremlins two, Gremlins um, two, uh, the, the ho- meeting. Hollywood movie doctor played by Jordan yeah. Peele. Um, and every single gremlin that got pitched at that in that sketch was in the movie. Um, <laughs> a real gremlin, it yeah. It was a real gremlin in the movie. So, yeah, it's <laughs> The new batch. The new batch. Definitely worth the watch. All right. Night's End. Um, I'm going to – I you know, I was – just by talking about it, it earned a point just, just from this oh, conversation. You, yeah, uh, so I'm going to give it a five. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it a five. <laughs> Uh, I think that that's where I settled. I just want to make sure I don't contradict what I put on my letterbox. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I gave it a, yeah, I, I gave it the, the two and a half on, on a scale of five. So that is a five, five, five. also for me. Yeah. It's middle of the road. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to rewatch it, but, um, yep. it had a lot of redeeming qualities. There was good acting in it. Um, just, you know, it's a, it's a difficult story to tell, uh, craftily from start to finish without there yep. being flaws. It's, this is not an easy task. No, especially exactly. with this kind of with the digital medium, it was yeah. a great effort because it wasn't yeah. really a distraction. That's the one thing I will give it. It was not a distraction. Oh yeah, it could have been. No, it seemed totally normal, and maybe that's because we're in a in like a very newly, barely post-COVID world, and have been in this place for two years. But it definitely seemed yeah. natural. Um, so I'm definitely gonna give props to the director, um, and I'm gonna you know blame it on the writer at the moment for for its for its low low score because i i think that um as far as like uh performances everyone was great like there was no you know bad you know low budget bad acting in the movie um correct yeah camera work was great loved ken barber you should be in more movies dude uh yeah he was he was great uh gino walker uh i wonder who produced this um right so yeah so that's the company is crow crow island films and institutional quality productions yeah i don't know who the shit that is yeah that's the other x factor is uh is how and it just was distributed by shutter worldwide that yeah. it went straight to shutter yeah seemingly. so i want to know who was responsible for michael shannon being in this movie yeah, yeah. He had to be friends with somebody. There's like, <laughs> there's no other. Like they're reason. just doing a solid. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like just or just like happened to be in the right in in a filming location where he was like, yeah, sure, I'll fuck around with this thing. This sounds fun. I, you give me a, what a a day's work and I'll, you give me thirty grand or who the fuck oh, knows yeah, how much. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have no idea what he would expect. He's not exactly a list. Uh, he definitely is a niche character actor. Character a lot actor, of time. yeah, yeah. What's funny uh, is some of the some of the bad reviews for this movie were like were like Michael Shannon wasn't even in the movie. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. did you think he was yeah. gonna be in the movie? Like, right. <laughs> well, like, again, I will repeat: when you pull it up on IMDb and you see the cast, oh Michael yeah, Shannon is he's the first top, fucking he's, name. He's top billing, sure, but it's an 81 minute Shutter or exclusive. <laughs> That has a three oh, so point. That, that has a four point oh on IMDb. Like, this is some bullshit from Zombie eighty four on IMDb. They gave it a three out of ten and said that I couldn't even get twenty minutes in. Some of the worst acting I ever seen. It started off so slow, so I fast forwarded it, and well, it didn't get any better. I seen a lot worse. Again, this English is not <laughs> their strong suit. Yeah. 
I've seen I've seen a lot worse, but this is up there with them. Uh, so yeah, that's a garbage review. Yeah, uh, but I, this so... is this is the these are the audiences that are included in these ratings sometimes. No, and you have to take that into yeah. account. You know, that's, look that's to the person true. to your left. Look to the person to your right. Uh, one of those is a complete fucking moron. <laughs> it just and, and naturally it's going to happen. And probably reviews movies on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because some of these. Are and good. if you don't, and if you don't think either of those two people are morons, you're the moron. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's you. It's like that, you know. Uh, all right. All right. Okay. That was a, that was a good one though. That was a good one. I yeah. I, I I didn't mind not going beat by beat. I think I think we should try it again. And we will, right now. Take Back the Night. Uh, directed and written by Gia Elliott. Co-written by Emma Fitzpatrick, who is the main character. Um, finding herself the victim of a violent monster attack, Jane launches a vigilante campaign to hunt the beast that tried to kill her. Jane's efforts intensify, but her troubling history of drug use and mental illness bubble to the surface, causing her family, community, and author... Blah, blah, blah. That's where it stops. Because someone... authorities to question the authenticity <laughs> of her account. Suddenly, alone in her fight, Jane starts to doubt her own memory of the attack. To doubt if monster exists at all. Right. Okay. So let's start with that description of this movie. Um, vigilante campaign to hunt on the beast that tried to kill her. I think that is literally the last yeah. sixty seconds of the movie. Why is that in the yeah, first there's... sentence of the description of the movie? Who wrote this? IMDb. No, get, yeah. get better copywriters. Come on. Whatever the fuck. It's got to be a common. I can't imagine. I don't know. It, it, which also makes me wonder, who writes those little snippets that happen in Rotten Tomatoes? Once something has enough reviews, they often will say, such and such is a such and such film that does this with this and this, and it is right. this kind of a thing. Uh, who writes that? Because obviously it tries to carry the sentiment of the majority of the score, whether it's good or bad. But I wonder who does that tag. Hmm. At any rate, with this one, I would, I'm kind of assuming that it's hand-in-hand uh, hand where Take Back the Night says, we would like this to be written, or this is what's on our DVD, you know? Right. This is what's on the box art on the back. Uh, put this on IMDb. Or I, I would imagine, I would hope that they have some... Um, ability some agency to say this is what we would like no that's know. true that's true but either way i with both of these films and it definitely i didn't look at shit i didn't want to know what was going on i just remember this popping up right take back the night it's going to be on such and such it's just a newer release uh monster and that, and i was like all right done. done i am going to watch that movie right they said monster and <laughs> take back the night silly me as uninformed, dumb, white male that doesn't know Take Back the Night and didn't clue in, like, oh, right, Take Back the Night. That's the whole fucking wording that the idea of sexual assault is running with. That's their well, slogan. That's, that's the Take movement. Back the night. Yeah, that, that's the movement. That's the dot I didn't even think about that because yeah, that, 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 I, I was yeah. detached. So How privileged of me I didn't have to think of that. So that is also the uh, – what we're – we normally give the spoiler disclaimer. Right now, we're going to give the um, the sensitive topics warning <laughs> that we're right. about to, we, that we're did about we, to discuss. We did this with Master, didn't we? I think we did. I think we did. Yeah. Master was also uh, some pretty topically pretty heavy. Yeah. 
So we're going to talk about warning, some pretty, yeah. yeah, trigger warning. We're going to talk about some pretty heavy stuff. Um, uh, okay, yeah, I mean, right away. Um, right, well, hold on, hold on. So oh, the sure, other sure, thing sure. I'd like to mention oh, sure, sure, sure. Is, is, is clearly, because I'm going to be leaning heavily on a certain way with the way that I approach this movie. Um, the film dabbles in, in sexual assault um, and suicide as well. If you or someone you know is suffering uh, or has suffered or have been a victim of sexual assault or has suicidal thoughts, please use the hotlines that are available. We don't have, I don't have the numbers, but obviously there is help out there. There are resources available. We are a community as human beings, and anything that someone's going through, we're all going through and want to be there for each other. I feel strongly about that. Um, it takes a village type approach, uh, which I'd love to tell the, the guys at work that are super antithetical to my um, liberal thoughts. <laughs> and I like mm-hmm. to say it because they, they can't help but laugh and go along with it because it fucking makes sense sometimes. Anyways, uh, I feel strongly in support of all the themes that this movie is trying to address in a professional way. Uh, the way it executes those, I'm going to have an issue with, but I want it to be known. Um, help is out there. Please seek help if something's happened. But uh, I take these themes seriously. Uh, regardless of how I feel about this movie. So I needed to say that because it's it's going to get hard. Because <laughs> it's going to sound like the opposite. Right. Whereas I um, also feel very strongly about this stuff and uh, absolutely agree with everything Rodney just said, except for I'm going to be probably on the other side of the coin on most uh, of the topics here, in that, in that I really enjoyed uh how it was presented uh how these things were right presented. so um all right we have uh emma fitzpatrick playing jane um jane doe does at jane doe does is she's an artist and uh she's pretty popular um she's got followers she does she does live videos people are tuning in people are chatting right away um so she's got that level of success um where she's you know she's not scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to get people to to see what she's doing right. And uh, I, I mean it's it's a confusing backstory and um, character base uh, because the amount of fame that she has in the Instagram world seems significant. Maybe I'm naive, but. There's a scene in the movie where uh, the sister comes to find her one video that she uploaded, and it's maybe been posted for an hour or two. Five hours tops, but I think it's only like an hour or two. It has one million fucking views already. So I'm sorry, but any one person, artist or otherwise, that gets one million views that fucking quickly on a random video they posted, I think is established where there's a different kind of a person that is behind that account. That's my speculation there. So I think that some of that is that nuance. Like I get why they want to have that many views, but I don't, it doesn't add up with the character exactly. I would say so like things like that. Sure. So, so right. Right. Because this is downtown LA and they're having, uh, they're having like art showing parties in like the warehouse district and these rundown buildings uh, to be like really, uh, cool and hipstery or whatever. So yeah, I mean, 
you know, 50,000 views, maybe a million views. That's like, that's like, you know, Clooney status, right? It's crazy. Uh, yeah. That's like, um, uh, yeah. Or like, but yeah. Know. And the other thing too is dude, like all of the art type nomenclature in the world that they're existing in, you know, similar to how it really drew me into a candy man, the art world, me yeah. being a, a, a former purveyor and creator of, 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 of fine art. Uh, that aspect of it, it was like also where I was a little bit maybe maybe I'm a little bit more guarded or a little more critical, but I right. think it's warranted. Uh, her as an artist is kind of funny to me. You know, I think she's a bit of a joke uh, in a lot of ways. I think she gives artists a bad name. Okay. I mean, well, we're all emotional yeah, yeah. psychopaths, and I think she is too. Right. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, that just makes her normal, right? Right, that's right. all of us. So that's yeah. fair. Uh, so yeah, in general, so she is a starving artist, so to speak. Uh, the movie opens with her having a, an opening. Well, yep. mm, there's the well. Technically, it doesn't. It does the the fucking over the 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 voicing of right. a detective well, asking actually, actually, questions. Actually, yeah, it doesn't even start there. It's yeah, the voiceover of of the lie detector test, which we don't know yeah. the lie detector test at first. And it's just she, questions. Questions. Close she's wa- questions. She's, she's walking yes down the no. she's walking down the stairs so, of the subway. She looks sad. Yeah. She gets up yeah. to the she gets right up to the line. She's like crying at this point, and she's about yeah. to she's about to step in front of the train, and it cuts to the party. Right, cuts to the party. This is the night of her art opening. She has sold out every painting that she had. Yeah. Let's celebrate her. And it's also like so like <laughs> right away. Uh, this isn't real. Uh, this either isn't the gallery or – so I, I have to believe this is not where the art show was. This is not where the gallery was. Sure. This is the p- after party that they had to celebrate her because what happens then is like they're in a giant loft in this uh, factory-type building, right. and they're just – they're just partying. It's a club. It's you know. Yeah, it seems like this shouldn't be the gallery, right? Um, no, the kind of people yeah. that would be patrons of the arts would not be at this fucking party. Right. This is the, the after party yeah. of the opening, which is fine. Which is fine. And, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, so it gets the information that she sold out gets revealed. Um, you know, she's drinking, partying, dancing. A girl has a handful of pills. She goes, what are those? She goes, does it matter? And she takes some pills. Uh, <laughs> she, she, goes in, she goes into the bathroom. Uh, she's in the bathtub drinking gin. Uh, uh, what kind of gin, brother? This is the one. No, I'll be like a tip of the hat to this uh, one. Uh, Some fucking Bombay Sapphire. Oh, it's Bombay Sapphire. Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. no, no shitty gin. Yeah. Bombay is delicious. Yeah, it's good gin. So the some guy comes in. He's like, he's like, hey, what you doing? She's like, drinking bathtub gin. Right, little wink, wink to the joke. She even says that that was a joke. Because uh, she's obviously fucked up, right? Um, and then she fucks this guy in the bathroom. Um, or, well, Nate, uh, they have sex. Well, yeah. We don't know who is fucking who. Well, you know, she's the celebrity, you know. She, and she <laughs> I'm just saying, the movie is about that. Oh, yeah, okay. So, but yes. All right. They, they, they engage in consensual sex, sex intercourse. Occurs. They engage in consensual seemingly, seemingly, yes. sexual intercourse. Yes. 
Yeah, she's obviously shit faced because she was doing because right. she didn't want to drink at this thing. She was waiting for her sister. Her sister flakes out on text, and then she's like, "You know what? Fuck it." She starts drinking, and so that act, you're like, "Okay, she's gonna go off the handle. She's right. gonna really lean into the drinking," and she does. She takes the pill, and now she's like drinking from the bottle of Bombay right. in the bathtub. So you would be you're led to believe she's way too intoxicated to make a cognizant decision that I want to fuck this guy, but that is how it's portrayed. She said she seems to be totally fucking down to have she, the sex. She she she's definitely under the influence, but she seems, or at least yeah. she's she's acting in these scenes, the way yeah. she's being portrayed by the actress, directed by the director, to be right. completely aware of the decisions that she's making. Right. Absolutely. She's in uh, control. She's in control. She's never out of control. Uh, visually, and here's an uh, right. And the other note that is of importance here, uh, you never see the man's face in this right. scene. Right. Uh, and in this movie, you will not see hardly any other man throughout the course of the movie. Right. Uh, quote unquote man. Uh, there's no male characters in this right. movie. That's correct. Uh, and it's an intentional choice, obviously. It, you don't ask accidentally do that. Uh, right. And so you have to kind of consider that with everything that's going to move forward. Right. Uh, you also know that she is completely lucid or aware of her actions because of what happens when she gets out of the fucking bathroom. Right, which I actually love. I love this, this scene. And uh, let's talk about this. She, uh, you she, love the uh, fucking homewrecker scene. Yeah, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. And we'll, let's talk about it because we'll, you and I are going to be on opposite sides, I think, through this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so she gets <laughs> she goes to the bar and there's a, she's going to get a drink. And the, there's a woman there who's like waiting. And she's like, uh, I think she offers to buy her a drink. And the woman's like, no, I'm just waiting for my husband to get out of the bathroom. And she like, she like, oh, she's like, oh. That makes his face. Yeah. And so yeah. she she buys her a drink anyway and gives it to her and, and walks away. Um, yeah. And I thought that was very, very cool because, okay. What's cool about it, Nate? What's cool about it is that it's not her job to ask some guy she's hooking up with in the bathroom if he's married, right? The perpetrator uh, of wrecking the home, the, the, the causer – uh, of that horrible situation is the man is the husband she did absolutely nothing wrong in that scene and she finds out that it happened it's also you know not her moral obligation to be like well i just fucked your husband you probably want to have that fight and but she still feels bad so she buys her the drink which i thought was like so uh actually kind of cute and like a cool little uh interaction now now cute now, now what's gr- what I, what's great what's great about <laughs> the fact that we're not doing this movie in order is I'm gonna go right to what she does later. She who the girl the 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 wife yeah the wife during the investigation does a character statement disparaging Jane because she slept with a married man right now now. Now, now she, now the wife even is now a villain, because no way was that Jane's fault or her problem, and she is blaming her instead of blaming him, which happens so much in today's society. It's a, it's another comment. Like, okay, so yeah, this movie is definitely about victim blaming. 
the whole movie is about victim blaming. It's not yeah. necessarily about the sexual assault, which is the forefront of the, like the incident, inciting incident for the film. But which isn't even really seemingly a sexual assault. Like oh, that's what you know. Oh, it definitely was. I I had to double check. I I thought it wasn't either, but I I, I checked, and it was. We'll talk about it. So <laughs> okay, so so the the wife. So, so you see her okay. <laughs> I agree it's not her responsibility entirely. Right. But it's fifty fifty. No way. To say No way, dude. Th- them he, having sex is he, a fifty fifty act. Oh yes, absolutely. The act was fifty fifty. The responsibility for Dealing damage to a marriage or informing the wife sure. of the incident does not lie with her. Nor does any sure. of the blame for what comes from the repercussions of the act because sure. she didn't That's know. That's fine. I get she that. Right. I'll take that. Okay. That's fine. All right. it's, but, the way that she, but the way that she handles it at the bar, her expressions don't sit well with me because it looks like she's kind of like, oh, well, too bad for you. I just fucked them like she seems so nonchalant <laughs> devil may care you're fucking lost for having a scumbag husband and it's just a shitty fucking vibe to give off and so while it's not her fault that a married man broke his vow of yeah. celibacy with the with his wife or whatever the fuck you, monogamy well, yeah. uh rather celibacy um her reaction i think shows poor character because she has this like party goer type atmosphere, whatever type thing. And and I dislike that aspect of it. And so from that moment, I am already looking at her in a, in a. So you, you cut out for a second. Am I still there? Yep. Looking at her in a, in a negative light, negative light. Okay. Like from this moment, I'm just seeing her not as the pinnacle of character. For me, for me. Now, I I thought that that little smile was adorable, uh, and <laughs> you're demented. That's so well, fucking twisted, dude. No, no, I don't think so. Because, um, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. Like, put yourself, put yourself in the wife's shoes. Yeah. Okay. And pretend that's a dude. Pretend that's a dude. Yeah. Pretend that's another guy. Sure. Coming sure. Out of the bathroom. Who just with who your just fucking wrote my... wife? Okay. Well, but the 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 point is, is that. <laughs> I I shouldn't be married to that person. Like I I need to not be married to that person. I I need to find out that they're a cheater and a piece of shit as soon as possible to get me out of the situation. Um so yeah, okay. So someone else had fun, but she's also like high on drugs and drunk. Like she's she thinks she thought she found some comedy in the situation. I'm not going to blame her for that smile. Um yeah. Whereas like, I'm putting all the blame on the guy in the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> I think that's chivalrous, or I think that that's like, uh, I think you're, yeah, I think that you're kind of projecting that, like, that's, that's the man's responsibility to, uh, to keep their shit in check. Uh, because yeah. we don't see how the, uh, how the sex occurred, whether who was the initiator right, or who right. really began it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's up for debate. It's not yeah. contested. And it's really not a focus of this. But to be honest, like this is a fun way to piece the movie apart because this is like what I think is interesting. It can you can 
we both see these as different ways, and so this yeah. is going to continue to happen. This is fun. It's, this, uh, yeah, this is going to be a good conversation. I, I knew it uh, coming well coming into it from your texts about this movie. I was like, oh man, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, all right. So so she leaves the party, and this is the inciting incident, right? Um, she actually first finds someone else who's drunk and puking. Right? Yeah, and somehow the there's someone more drunk than her. It's a person that knows her Instagram. Right. She's like, oh, um, such and such, 63, you're Jane Doe does, I love you. It's a fan, but she's more right. shit-faced. She pukes in the, at the bar party. Yeah. They tell her to get the fuck out. So she is now the, the heroine for this other girl. She's right. going to be the DD to walk her out to get her out of the bar and get her home safely. Yeah, so she gets her in Which the I was back. like, okay, she's getting points here. She's yeah. doing a good deed, yep. getting her to safe travel excuse me for this other uh damsel in distress so to speak uh going home making sure that she gets home safe yeah that's fine i'm all in support but now she's outside the party in a dark alley right so she dumps her in the back of an uber and she's outside the party in a dark alley and she's wandering around and she's scared this is where we're getting some like some really nice overhead shots um like of like a warehouse district in downtown LA, yeah right and um and there's this giant gate, um, and she like runs to it as some guys locking it up. And uh, I I thought I liked this scene too, um, although I don't think this scene was realistic. Uh, part yeah. of it, part of it, part of it. Now, so he's locking up the gate, and she's like, "Hey, hey, let let me through. What are you doing?" And they're literally face to face, right? Yeah. Um, and he's like, "What's in it for me now?" I've seen that situation a hundred times with bouncers or security yeah. guards, right? So what's in it for me? You know, you, you just flash your tits and you get and they let you through the door, right? And she was like, fuck you. Uh, when they say fuck you, they still let you through the door. They, you right. know, it's almost like no harm in trying is kind of the attitude. Right. Um, right. But this guy was like, okay, well, lock the lock, the lock and walk away. Like that, yeah, yeah. that I thought that was a little unrealistic. But of course, you have to set it up yeah. somehow. So, so maybe you yeah. could have just not had that scene and just have her come to a locked gate. Because <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that, cause like, one thing I'm, I liked about this movie was how was how realistic everything felt. Um, with the you know all the dialogue seemed very natural and none of it was was like grandiose or like full of drama movie style dialogue and with the shaky cam low budget atmosphere you know you definitely feel like you're right there um so this this guy's reaction you know took me out of it a little bit um not from the the first part because i i've seen it happen like it's i've seen that dialogue from men holding doors that are locked with women trying to get through them um right. but uh, but I've never seen the second half. <laughs> uh, sure. Right. So so a little unrealistic for me. Okay. But again, uh this movie is going to heavy-handedly reinforce that fucking point. Oh right. They they and they're not shy they, about it. They're not shy about no, it. They, uh, they've, they, they've got they, an agenda and they're going to they're going right. to beat you in the fucking head with that agenda. And then I say that because the movie's called Take Back the Night, that you should have expected it. Um, that this is a movie that's obviously um, positioned to be social commentary and not necessarily 
um, like a cohesive narrative. As much as they made a real movie out of it, they probably didn't have to, because um, this is almost like a, it's an R could be like an R-rated after-school special. Um, you know the, right. the way the way that it, the for the topics that it tackles. You know. Well, and it's frustrating for me because it's. I feel like it's an appropriation of a social movement, of a meaningful, important, impactful movement. Right. It's an appropriation of it to heighten their own fame or um, publicity of, of as a filmmaker or an artist. Like, I think that it's a disingenuous attempt to utilize something and to be a part of a conversation, inject your own voice into the conversation uh, of your art. And the only, I think that they care about what they're saying, but right. I think that it's more of a, I think it's, I don't think that it's as good intended uh, yeah, as they I, would like to believe. Yeah, I definitely get your point. And, and, and I would say that I just don't, we just don't know the backstory, right? Like uh, we, if, if, well, I, I, I've read a little bit, or I heard a little bit. I heard uh, G. Elliot talk about uh, her and Emma Fitzpatrick. Um, G. Elliot was uh, at like a brief in law school or with other lawyers or in her other job, and she was listening to um, this uh, deposition or something in, in regards to these different kinds of assault cases and how cold and harsh and disgusting and fucked up it was where the onus is on the victim, mm-hmm. not on the perpetrator. Yep. And all these things, and it really built up all of this like frustration and anger, rightfully so. And so she wanted to, to deal with this in some kind of way or to bring a spotlight or to to process it. And so uh, she was uh, somehow was related to, uh, to meeting or to knowing Emma Fitzpatrick. So they started conversing about it, and they both kind of like were um, led to want to create a piece that spoke to this disparity in this idea of victimhood or blaming the victim or of empowering women to have more uh, agency in this occurrence that happens so fucking much, they wanted to make a standard to say something and they didn't know how to do it. And so um, they thought the drama would be too heavy. And ultimately that an allegory with the monster would be the best route to, to do it, but also couch it in something else. So it still could be a kind of fun uh, horror film. Right. That was there. That's the the impetus uh, that I was able to to see through an interview that they did uh, with uh, Popcorn Frights, I think they called it. Which I will say, the fucking uh, title card that that production company had at the beginning of the movie were sweet. They were like all old '80s type style title cards for Popcorn Frights, like the the whoever was releasing it. Um, I think it was Popcorn Frights. I don't I don't think I'm misspeaking. Uh, but they were sweet. Uh, okay. I would love to see more of what they're doing. It just it stuck out to me. Okay. Uh, it's not important. It's just something fun. Well, if you want to if you want to talk about about the allegory for a moment, um, I I had a, a small conversation about it. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed the monster, um, and we can talk more about the monster later. And I also I also enjoyed that it it didn't turn out to be a a man or or human or whatever. Um, and I, I like the term monster here because of how it's used in, in our, like in U.S. Um, vernacular, where, okay, we reserve monster for rapists, 
child molesters and maybe serial killers, mostly serial killers, but but like normal murder, we don't call normal murderers monsters. Like we reserve the term monster for those three categories pretty much exclusively um, as, a, as a society, right? Like, you yeah. know, you, if, if, the, if the, the person who was doing these things in this movie was a man, I would call him a monster. Of course. The 17-year-old kid who robs the liquor store and shoots and accidentally kills the cashier, I don't call him a monster. No. Right? So, so like, there's a, like, that term itself has weight, um, which is another thing I liked about this was the tagline, monsters are real. Um, you Hashtag know, what, monsters are real. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the word, and I and I and I I really enjoyed that about the movie as well. I I think that it it it's just it's, this this movie is trying to do both of the things, and it can't do both. And it of can't the do both right? because I, they're at odds of both of those things. You can't make it an allegory using a monster and not believing it, but then also be about sexual assault and believing women when they're assaulted. And because in real life, that's about, it's about men. And also sidebar, and we're not going to make it about it, but like men are also victims of fucking assault. Right. Sorry. Right. Nicki Minaj just fucking put it on blast that she raped some other fucking backup dancer or whatever years ago. Yeah. So, but you can't do both because it, if this is a monster movie, everything that's going to happen, because we're about to get to the monster, everything that's yep. going to happen, I'm going to see it as a lens of it's a monster attack. And now all the interactions with Jane and all the other characters, how do you get this monster? And it does the the journey that, a, that, that the hero takes to defeat the monster. It does follow some of the paths. They make a fucking bronze dagger to kill the monster. Right. So, okay, it's a monster movie. I, I'm... It's a monster. I care about it being a monster. Yeah. But then the movie's also still trying to say, no, like, this is about assault, and you got to believe that this happened to her. And it's like talking about how that's about women and sexual assault and not believing them. It's like, but this is about a monster. So that's where I do both. That's where I'm, di- I'm trying to differentiate here because I don't think the movie is about the, the sexual assault uh, specifically. I think it's more about the victim blaming. And the victim, the victim blaming doesn't matter that it was a monster assault, right? So it it right. could have been any assault. I also think that the nameless, faceless villain, um, yeah. and especially at the end when you have all of these women with the half of uh, the crescent moon uh, scar on their forearm. Oh as, shit! As, as I meant a, to draw one on. I meant to put one on. I fucking forgot. As, as, as I was a, gonna go like, hey man. As yeah. a as a brand, like they all belong yeah. to a club where the only thing that has to happen to you to be a member is to be assaulted by a nameless, faceless uh, monster. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because they're never going to get caught because they because the victims aren't believed. Their story, they tell their story, and the onus is put on them to prove the guilt. Or they well, or they won't investigate it. That's like the most. That's the biggest scene in the movie when the the police officer says, "I can't run the DNA unless you give me proof of the assault. You have yes, to prove I, that this happened in order for me to investigate it." It's the opposite of how our 
our um, society should work. And, right, and, yes, and, I, I understand. And I, I, yes, it, that's so fucked up. I yeah. know. But there's got to be another way to <laughs> okay. convince people that a monster fucking attacked you. Be explicit. Say, sure. hey, it looked like a human shape, but it had fucking claws, and there was smoke. And, there was, and be more specific about it. Because right. even the investigation, the detective finds something questionable, but then they just let it go like because of the other stuff that came up. And it's like, I don't believe that. Yeah. If a detective found this thing and was like, wait, what the fuck? It would have, more things would have happened. Yeah, I, the character would have done more to make the case. Yeah, and the fact that other details were omitted in the deposition, the interrogation, or the rec- the collection of, of, of events from her yeah. the night of the the sort of gaps in the night, like just fucking say what happened. Okay, okay, but okay, let's go one step further though, right? So she and and victims, right? They have they, through um, trauma, post-traumatic stress. They can. They don't remember, right? They don't remember exactly. Right. They only remember bits and pieces. Right. Um, the the incident itself, which we are about to discuss, she's paralyzed now. Yes, okay, we are led to believe that the monster had uh, some kind of paralyzing agent about him, but or about mm-hmm. it, it, I should say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in that situation, these people can be paralyzed with fear. They have, they're just stuck there. Yeah. They can't fight back. They can't run away. They are just stuck there, and the thing happens to them. Um, so as we're saying that this monster is a metaphor – yeah, okay, so this monster is a metaphor for the nameless, faceless attacker, right? And all these women who have this crescent moon uh, scar, they all have nameless, faceless attackers. It doesn't have to be a monster. And maybe it even isn't a monster. Maybe it's that's just how she remembers it, how, it, how her brain, you know, just, like, puts it together in her mind. Yeah, but, the, but, the, but, but it, can't, it can't be both. It can't be both. I'm going to say it's one thing or fucking other. As a, as a filmmaker, you have to take a side uh, and I, say, that, is it allegory or isn't it? Right, right, right. And, and like, and I guess the thing, like, and I get the, the, the blanks the, uh, in time uh, as a victim. I under, it all makes sense logically. That during that initial interview, she wouldn't be able to recall all of the things that would help convince or convey uh, this monster, quote unquote, to authorities. Um, but by the time the second interview is taking place and the detective is um, bringing up all this other shit that now makes them question you as a reliable narrator to your story, maybe then you just be honest about. Yeah, I did that, but that wasn't what happened afterward. Be vehement. You have to be like, and I get it. You shouldn't have to be your own uh, advocate, but you're there alone right now, and just fucking speak truth. Right, right. And people and, are and, people are afraid to bring up that they were using drugs to a police officer, uh, even if right. they're trying to report a crime that happened, you know, in you know time right. timeline adjacent to drug use. Right. Okay, and that's fine. But then, guess what? They can't. What can they do then? Right. What? 
can they do with that information? Because they don't have any other information. There's nothing else to go on. Right. Uh, and so, okay, so let's just talk well, about. Well, well, hold, 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 hold on real quick. So maybe, so maybe, yeah. maybe that's another point of the movie is that, is that, hey, not just ladies, but hey, victims, just tell the truth and tell your whole story because the only way this is going to get better is if, is if everybody does that right away don't wait a day don't wait an hour don't think about it for a week and talk to your mom and your best friends about hey this my boyfriend raped me should i call the police no you fucking call the police right away and if and if yeah, everybody did it, that but, every single like but maybe that's another point they're trying to make is all i'm saying with that i don't i don't think it's a point they're trying to make because i i don't think that they want to put that ownership or that weight on the victim the victim shouldn't have to do all of the jump through hoops is what they would what they would say. Right. I don't think that that's what they want. I don't think they want that. And that's the thing. Like they they want their cake and they want to eat it too. This is a very difficult shitty thing. But like it, at some point, you have to help guide them in the direction that things have to go. And someone has to be brave enough to do it. And if it can't be you, then maybe there's someone that you can find in that can be that advocate for you and can help you on that crusade. Uh, fuck. So let's just talk about the event. Right. She's in the alley after the she's party. She's in the alley. Uh, we're, we're, she's hearing we're, noises. We're, we're still only 10 minutes into the movie for you guys listening. I know. <laughs> but things are going to speed up because we're already talking about other events yeah. in the interviews. Oh, yeah. The, the attack takes place. She's looking back at a dumpster. There's flies that are surrounding her. Yep. And uh, you don't really see what happens, but you, you see like a dark shape kind of pop out of the dumpster seemingly or behind the dumpster and yep. it goes after her. Knocks and then her you might not even see the attack. It knocks her down. I don't know if you see the events that are occurring then or if they if you see them as flashbacks while she's while describing she's... it to the detective. Yeah, you, I can't yeah. recall. That it might But have it doesn't matter. Already. It doesn't matter it because It doesn't matter because you see the monster grab the wrist. The monster yep. puts the brand on the wrist. Yep. Uh, she's paralyzed like you described. It constantly shows her feet and her legs squirming as if there is some sort of a – it seems as if there's some sort of a sexual penetration that is – you're led to believe that. Yeah. And you see the monster's hand over her abdomen. Now, this is where I'm saying – I feel like this is where it's like sort of uh, open to interpretation, but you think that there's actual like – there, there is, there is because she, there is because she says there is in the next scene, and it's and I, and I missed it, and I had to go back because I was like, wait a minute, was she? What even, did she say? She uh, so during the rape kit interview, uh, right. oh no, right after the rape kit, the the first thing uh, she describes to the police officer, she says, he right, she says he, he yeah. stuck, he stuck. She says he he stuck something hot and sticky inside, and then she describes the paralyzation. Huh. So and so and that's when she became paralyzed. So like so that's the only indication that we get to. I, I question whether or not she actually said he because the detective makes it a point to say how you keep referring to. Oh it, right, right. Oh he. okay. Oh so maybe she says it. So, okay, so she says. But it. okay, so even yeah. still. But it, does she is it maybe being elusive to to the 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 slit in her abdomen then that maybe that's what she's oh, talking she, she about. She doesn't talk about those uh, those um, cuts until later in the interview. She says that's mm. what par- she says. Basically, she says that's what paralyzed her. She says that he, he it, it stuck something hot and sticky inside, 
And then she goes, I couldn't move my legs. I was paralyzed. So the, the premise is that this monster has uh, uh, come or pre-come that is paralyzing agent. Induced. Some kind of that, or... some kind of juicy paralyzation agent. Yes, that's what that's. Shit. That's the description, and because it's never hey. mentioned ever again. Uh, uh, through hey, the... look on the upside. Uh, no, I'm not gonna. I won't make the joke. Don't make the so... joke. <laughs> I could tell it wasn't gonna be good. <laughs> Too easy. Low hanging fruit. Yeah. Um. Don't punch down. Don't punch down. Also, it's not punching down. Is it? <laughs> is it? If it's low-hanging fruit? I, no, I'm still, it's still up in the tree. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, what I want to get at, uh, so the events are occurring and you see flashbacks while this is happening or whatever, but, like, the monster is, like, entering her abdomen with its hands and, like, manipulating and stuff. And I thought that this was interesting, but they don't go far into what might be occurring with this act. And you're led to believe whatever you want to believe. And, like, for me, I I wonder if it's almost like, you could perceive it as like, uh, you know, if these are all female victims, that this monster is doing something. It's like penetrating or impacting like womanhood, uh, whether it's utero type involvement or the womb as like a symbol. And like for me, I never thought that any of this was like a like a vaginal penetration type sexual yeah. assault thing. I thought this was really just a monster attack. It did the wrist thing, paralyzed them, and then like the, the slit stomach their thing. stomach and just now, like fucked with their inside. Yeah. Whether it's for whatever purpose or not, that's yeah. all that I saw. I never saw it as like a sexual thing because, again, that is what takes it away from a, a different kind of assault. Yeah. And it, it goes towards like some weird monster shit that's doing something with her abdomen. Right. Yeah, I think was the was the cut like beneath the belly button though? Was it like right above the like the yeah it seems like yeah. like a utero type yeah incision. It's, it's, yeah it's definitely like low on the abdomen yeah um yeah and it was a pretty pretty graphic uh cut too like very very deep yeah, yeah excuse me yeah well and, and and by the end of the movie when the monster's attacking again like its hands look like it's fucking in her in, body in the stomach yeah 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 or, or in so the, it's pretty in... wild so anyways so that's the attack right that uh, that begins the, all of this. She stumbles to a hospital. She's covered in soot, like she's uh, bruised on her eye. Her her side of her butt has a yep. giant bruise on it. She's got soot, black stuff all over her feet, like it's like it tainted her or something. Almost like made her like sickly almost. It, yep. It's weird her extremities. Um and and then they yeah they do the kit and they they have the interview and she's obviously and the the detective is on her side more or less just listening she understands she might not know right. everything and she uh and it goes from there right yeah yeah so what i um what's cool about this interview too is how uh sympathetic the detective is right she's like she's she's there for her she, here, she yeah. wants the help right here and, and but then it changes very quickly and i i think that's more like common like police commentary commentary on on our our justice system and less about you know um less about the other stuff um, yeah so, yeah. so this, this like movie's this trying gonna, to we're this gonna, we're gonna, trying to say a lot <laughs> we're gonna drag this out for a very long time if we don't try to like to, oh, to sure. quicken up how, how we want to get to some okay so, so wanna, because we're early on to the plot so yeah yeah so, what, so the then sister, the sister comes in, right? The sister shows up in the, the hospital. The sister yeah. is very defensive. They have a history. Yep. So, 
Um, and now, more or less, it's how do you move forward from this event? And so right. we know what's going to occur. Um, where I think the movie is now going to start to take a turn is like every time you see uh, Jane, she's doing something that I think is fucked up or wrong or doesn't make sense to me as, uh, <laughs> as like a survivor or it just it seems like still like a shitty character trait. Um, she immediately puts this on social media. She takes her photographs. She puts it out there. Yeah. I was just assaulted. Just assaulted in this place. This is unreal. Like, yeah. I question that. Like, the reason why would you do it? Like, like it's because it looks like it's for clicks. You know, uh, you right. have the right to put whatever you want out there, but it's what's the true intent? Right. Well, and I mean, she gets I, she definitely gets blamed for that too. Right. I know, and that's again, that's like that's your victim blaming. Okay. But the other thing that starts to happen is she's arguing with her sister at that over dinner, and she gets a phone call. She answers the phone call, and she's sort of acting normal, like she's moved on or she wants to move on. Again, could be a response to a traumatic event. Everyone deals with things differently. That's fine. She gets a phone call, uh, and she's like, then goes to her sister. Well, it looks like I'm going to be on the news talking about my assault, and she's like super proud of it. Like she's happy like okay i mean she's obviously not happy that she was assaulted but come on like i know i know that but she's (laughs) like she's like proving her sister like yeah look at me i'm doing great i'm gonna be on the fucking news like what the fuck well where she wouldn't that's your reaction she wouldn't have been on the news if she didn't post the post that nobody wanted her to post right she also wouldn't like when the other women contact her i uh, i know this this entity it was a dark shadow with flies. I know this entity. These other women, these other survivors, reach out to her. None of that would have happened if she wasn't on social and wasn't. Yeah, uh, on that's the, that's that, all fine. So, so, it's just, but it's the way that she acts these things out. She seems so proud that she is going to be getting this fame and potential fortune, you know, okay. uh, from this event that she's capitalizing off this horrific event. It doesn't seem like a good healing type thing to do. Sure, it well, seems she, like. But it she's has, she, it's, but she's not a healthy person. She's obviously self-destructive. She's drinking, using drugs, fucking random Disney right. bathroom. Right. But that's They're, not what the movie is about. The yeah. movie is about you don't get to talk about that, Nate. That's in the <laughs> fucking past. You should only care about she was assaulted. She's the victim, well, and that's what the movie keeps fucking telling you. You're not allowed to think that it's anything else. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, okay, so. One thing, you know, she she fits the role of of strong independent woman, right? Like this uh, that that term that gets thrown around, and she is she's owning this assault right from the very beginning, and she is determined to catch the perpetrator, whether she has to use her social media influence, her news out right. the news outlet, if the police help, hopefully they help. Um, so I mean that's that's all I saw, you know. I mean, okay, she, yeah, she's a little smug about it, but maybe she's smug with her sister because of their past and not sure. smug about it, you know, in general. Because the the yeah, sister and her like have a bitchy, daddy, the, yeah, sister type stuff where the yeah. sister, you know, is uh, seemingly living the idyllic life with a fiance. Right, right, I, right. I think. So so I think they're married, but the 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 sister has then her have a strange relationship which. 
changes throughout the movie for the better, um, especially after she finds out that the sister isn't happy. She has this. She has this uh, expectation of her she, sister. She has this expectation. Her sister. <laughs> her sister was happy, and she ruined her sister's life. <laughs> what? <laughs> How? She ruined her sister's life. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on, and we'll come back to that later, I guess. Uh, so, she does the news interview, right? And this is. Uh, oh yeah, that's, that's 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 way ahead. That's way ahead. Oh, is that way ahead? Oh, I, I just want to mention because the other, the only other character we have to introduce the detective is uh, processing the case. The detective has a girlfriend. Right. Okay. Cool representation. Uh, you see a, a female detective with a female partner. You don't see that a lot in film. Often have representation in that regard. Sure. But any goodwill with that idea is then like taken away because that uh, girlfriend is goes on the detective's computer the second the detective leaves the room to spy on to what spy, she was yeah. researching on the fucking computer. Yeah. And the detective's like, hey, you can't do that. Yeah, uh, but it's okay. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. This is, this, what is this? Yeah, I, th- I thought that scene was a little weird, too. Uh, I like, I thought the recovery was, was fine. Um, but I, but I didn't, I didn't like it. It, it didn't sit well with me. Um, no, it was weird. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It made it seem like she's not a real detective. And it made it seem like she's not a real reporter. Like, these are fake caricatures and aren't real people it took me out of it like this is stupid this is not a real interaction that real human beings would have and you're dealing with real subject matter so whenever you do shit that's so like stupid narratively it fucking makes me question all the other decisions and i'm looking with higher scrutiny getting fucking annoyed with it so I think that that was like that set me off like right there. So that's the only other character, and so now and that um, and that I and think, that was that was like one of the only moments that that I really really was like, nah, I, I don't know about that choice, but right, right. Um. So yeah, I mean, it culminates. I think she has a second interview, and that's where the the wife's statement puts her into question. Right. The drug use comes up with the detective, and they're like, "Why aren't you telling me this?" Why didn't you mention also, this before? Yeah. Also, funny, ridiculous cop thing where she's like, we have, this is the number she used, we have 13,000 rape kits waiting to be processed. They each cost $800. That's over $10 million. And it's like she's doing this math real time quick, just coming up with it. Dude, it's barely over $10 million. It's $10 million in like 400000 or 40000 Like It's like they just came up with the number to say that. Whether it's real or not, I don't right. fucking know. But it's kind of like just a dumb, like, it's like it's like the traditional uh, detective trope where it's yeah. like they just have like these numbers and they just know their shit. Right. She's like kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Kind of funny. Well, so so this scene for me was was like a, the very impactful scene where she was basically forcing this victim to prove her to prove the guilt of the attacker, or we can't process the rape kit because the DA can't go forward with an investigation if there is going to be no prosecution. If they're right. not going to get a conviction, they, why the, even, right. why even start the the process? Um, which I think the answer to why start the process is that's how you get the conviction <laughs> by starting yeah, to I investigate know. crime. You will solve crime 
Uh, I know it's a right. it's a it's a bonkers theory that I have, but <laughs> <laughs> and like and I don't want to like I don't, yeah, but you can see where as an authority figure they're stuck with the framework that they have to that they have to abide by, and so she wants to, but again oh, yeah. she was undermined because oh. those things are revealed. It, yeah. Her investigation is now undermined because she finds out about the drug right. use, she finds out about the past. Yeah, blaming she it. wanted to research it properly. Yeah, she was doing the beat. She walked the fucking ground. She found the cloth, seemingly of the monster, and they never talk about it. Right, it's like she was doing the legwork of a detective and found something out, but then they just don't even pursue it as a thing because they'd rather talk about victimhood. Well, she could. They, she couldn't pursue it because she was shut down by for budgetary constraints. Which, using that as an excuse, was a fine excuse because we know that in the united states in the united states uh you know the army can play laser tag um as a training exercise but we can't process thirteen thousand rape kits in the city of los angeles right right um so we know that that is a bigger issue and once again here's another uh yeah social commentary message from the filmmaker which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you know they they are stuffing a lot into this movie instead of like just it being about uh, victim blaming. They're like, oh, it's about victim blaming. Oh, and it's it's about the moral high ground in in, in or in a uh, in like a adultery situation, and it's also about. Uh, uh, you know about spending, about about like where our tax dollars go. Oh, uh, and it's Mr. also <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but like the thing about it though, uh, because it's a monster, it's not a man. Yeah. And because like you know you have to take it at face value. They're not like alluding that she sees this shape and it actually is a man. They're pretty clear. Like it's a fucking monster, yeah. uh, literally, and. So lean into it, and as Jane is there now, and she's being confronted with this other shit, if she's confident enough to gloat about going on the air to talk about her story in the next coming scene, then in this moment, she should have enough empowerment of her story to say, a fucking monster attacked me. This was not a human being of this world. It was some crazy, weird fucking monster I've been researching online, and there's other people that have seen this fucking thing. We have to figure out what the fuck is going on. Right. To which, and then, to which, and she, to which the she probably the would have detective been, probably would have had her committed. Like, there's a scene where the sister googles on her phone how to involuntarily commit a family member. Well, and yeah, it, but okay, but that's the other thing. Like, monsters aren't real. <laughs> right. So so I can't put myself in that position because that doesn't really happen. Right. Like so if you're saying it's really a monster when characters are reacting as we would in real life, yeah, we're not going to fucking believe you because monsters aren't fucking real. Right. So that's where it's like the signals get mixed and you're, what you're supposed to feel, you're always like conflicted. Like, but what, what is it? What am, where am I going? And what am I supposed to do with what you're telling me? Like, I get it. Yes. Right, these right, things well, are bad. These things exist. These disparities are there, but you're just, 
I knew this already. Right, but none it, of mean, this is new. If she, none if of she, it is interesting in a new, artful way. You're just telling me it. Yeah. Like you said, it's an after-school fucking special. It, yeah, it's it, it it in the in the you know the uh, horror movies clothing, and I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's done well, and as far as you're concerned, it's not. <laughs> so. Uh, to the monster thing again, like what this is how she experienced it. The nameless, faceless assailant. Uh, I, you know, alleged, ale- <laughs> <laughs> alleged, yes. Um, oh shit, where where were we? We were just talking about the second interview. You wanted to get. We were just talking about the second interview with the detective, where she was more or less saying, like, "Oh, You're right. Fucked. Like you, so you my, have a bad yeah. past, and my, we have nothing to go off of." Right. My point with the, um, and this is a, this might be another problem for you. Um, uh So, so, so we eventually. I know. I know. It's we're skipping ahead, but that's the point, right? Fuck it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we eventually get to. She's she's so pissed off that no one's listening to her that she. Demands that they give her a lie detector test. So we get the lie detector test voiceover, right. um, voiceover from the beginning, and she's walking down the thing. And we know how this ends. She steps in front of that train. So she gets to the bottom, and she steps in front of the train, and she gets pulled back. And you look. She looks down, and it's a it's an arm, and the arm has the the tattoo there the uh, the the crescent shape on it. Yeah. And she and yeah. she, the, the camera comes up, and it's another woman. And the woman yep. says, "I believe you." And yeah. then, and then it cuts, and she's gone. And now she can't find her. She's gone. Okay. So now we have a couple things here, right? This could be, this could be all in her head. This could be the spirit of a victim. Uh, the, I, it's really just down to those two things in my mind, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it could be all these things. <laughs> okay. That's nice. But what it does, what it does, and this is very important to the story, is sometimes, uh, you know, for people who have undergone trauma or experiences like this, all it takes is one person to be on your side, to say that they believe you, right? To get you motivated to you know, come forward, talk to people, et cetera, et cetera. So this this is a turning point for her. She thought all hope was lost. Hope was lost to the point where she was going to jump in front of a train. And now, uh, thanks to this phantom victim, um, she has this idea that there are more people out there like her. Um, she She can move on. And this is also the point where I think the next interaction with the sister the sister also uh, turns and starts to believe as well. Um, I, I can't remember what convinces the sister, but... I think it's, mo- it's um, more victims. I think she finds some online or she meets one in person. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The calls. No, it shows up, yeah. She's going back to the to her house, and the woman shows up, and you're like in, or at the door. And oh, like, right. Is Jane in there? She's like, yeah. do, you know, is, do you know Jane Doe does? Like, yeah. And she starts telling her my story. And look at all these other women that have this same scar, and they disappear after three days. I feel like she's gonna, she's at, she's in danger. Yeah. I don't trust. It's for her to. I don't buy her uh, 
feeling lost and needing this uh, this saving grace of this woman, whether it's real or made up, to well, she failed the lie detector back. test. Yeah, I get that. She, she failed the lie detector because test because she fucking lied. <laughs> she because she was triggered by the questions, which were fair, valid fucking questions. They were closed questions. Yes or no? Did you intentionally mislead the investigation? Yes, you did. You didn't tell about other things on the thing because you didn't want to get in trouble for it. You have a reason. It's fine. That's okay. You didn't want to talk about drug use because you didn't want to be in trouble for it. You didn't want to say that you had sex with a guy earlier because it would impact your believability with sex when you didn't want to have sex with someone else. That all makes sense, but just honesty and truth, and it'll somehow get there. She got triggered by the results of it, so she probably went off on a handle because every time she's confronted – with someone questioning a little bit, she flips the fuck out, and it's like it's unfair that anyone has even shadow of a doubt when they just want clarity to what happened so that they can follow through in a in a uh, intelligible way for themselves. You can't just take everything at face value whenever it seems like nonsense. You have to find a way to navigate it yourself. Right, right. And if it uh, sounds crazy, like even best friends, like, okay, what you just said sounds fucking crazy, man. So I'm going to ask some questions so I can help – I can process it. And those questions might piss you off, but it's the only way that I can get from where I'm at now to where you already are at. I need to navigate there. You had the experience. I didn't. Right. I have to find a way to get there. Right. And I, I mean, I think they're just pointing out that, that it's not black and white, that it's hard to remember or, yes. that it's, or that it's hard to answer those questions or that because the situations are not uh, cut and dry. They're not black and white. Right. It's all nuanced. But that's – but, 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 but. The end thing is believe women. No, it's believe the victim. I'm pretty sure. And yes, men are victims uh, too. But the statistically, the the victims are women more of course. often than not. Um, but there there are a handful of cases where mistru- mistruths have been perpetrated on men that where they had not done anything wrong. That like so. That's true that too. That also occurs. That does also occur. I don't want to. I don't want to muddle that. And again, yeah. the hashtag not all men. I'm not an apologist. I'm not doing whatever. Right. Fuck. I'm just saying. All of these things are in here, and that has to be taken into account. It can't just all be cut and dry, like you're saying. Like the black and white. This is a very nuanced type thing. Every. And it can't just be. This happened. Okay. Go get him. And he's locked away. We did it. Like, there's more to it than that. Right. All right, so okay, she she goes to the news station. Yeah, the news station. Okay, she goes to the news station. She is she thinks this is her moment to shine. Everyone, come watch me on right. the fucking news. I am gonna drop this shit. Right. And the reporter flips the script on her. Yeah. Fucking quick. And starts hitting her with all the hard questions about her mom, her mom's uh, battle with mental illness. Right, so like, um, this is what 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 happened to her uh, mom. Mom, right. what what happened? Do you remember? So the mom, um, the mom was committed after trying to drown her in a bathtub. Yeah, yeah. right. And then uh, when we she was fourteen, I think that's yeah. that. And so, so yeah, that, psychiatric hospital, and she probably died or did whatever. Uh, who knows after that? But we know that that yeah. is in Jane's past, and right, you know, and that's traumatic experience too, and that can oh, lead to all okay. sorts of things like. Like becoming an artist or drug use, a narcissist, <laughs> uh, egomaniac, yeah, all of those things. Becoming an artist, I thought that was funny. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
Um, I do think that the paintings were kind of cool that we saw earlier. You don't see any of those throughout the rest of the movie. And in fact, it's funny too, because anytime a movie something with like an artist, I always look at the setting that they're in. And I don't know, the the scene where they're having Chinese uh, at the the um at the uh the island or the peninsula in her in her kitchen yeah there's like a small there's like a kitchen appliance on the background but in front of it is that dumb fucking wood mannequin posable figure that is in every art classroom known to mankind is like yeah. this is what how you study the figure and how body parts move and it's like no real self-respecting artist has this in their goddamn fucking Least of all, one that doesn't own a refrigerator, which she doesn't. Figure that one out. Starving artist, paying rent in L.A. <laughs> right. Doesn't have a refrigerator, but is so she's eating takeout at fucking twenty dollars a pop, three times a day. Three times a day. At least at least twice a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she did sell yeah. all her paintings, so she probably wasn't starving by this point of the. Probably film. like fucking ten paintings, dude. And who? <laughs> okay. So it's her first show too. So she does get uh, she does get assaulted a second time, and she does it. She live streams it. Is that correct? Yeah, this is before the interview with the reporter. It helps to to verify that she's true. Yeah, she she gets a flat tire on her way home from. Right. Thing. And this and this again is a over the beat you. Hey, she is a strong woman. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. She can fix her own tire. Uh, I I thought this scene was great too. I don't I don't I don't know why you're I don't know I I I was so fucking ham fisted like it's not nuanced at all. It's well, so yeah. I mean it's uh, it's it's uh, not okay. It's, I, got I wouldn't it. I wouldn't call it. It's not subtle, but I mean it's also not. It it, it might not be trying to tell you that. It might just be showing yes, you it is. someone yes, who it's trying to tell you that. No. <laughs> It's, I think it's just someone who has a popular Instagram account using it to. I'm gonna flex my tire. I'm gonna do it live. Why not? I have to fix it anyway, right? People no, who like people who paint are painting on Twitch live right now. We're tw- twitching this live right now because we're gonna do it anyway. So why not uh, to uh, show it to the world? Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, so she <laughs> she starts changing the tire. And yeah, and she she's. She senses the flies and the no, yeah. and the the blackness. And the noise, and, right. She gets a tire change and like <clears throat> locks herself in the car. Right, um, and she's like, "Did you guys see it? I fucking told you, didn't you see it?" And they're like, yeah. "We didn't see shit. What are you right. talking about?" And she's like, "Oh no, they don't believe me. Oh, yeah. for me, I, I wrote no one da- me. I wrote down two comments from the uh, from this live stream from from okay. the, the viewers. Uh, yeah, I'd still hit it." Those titties, those, those titties, those titties though. though, those titties though. Um, and then, and then another one. She's fucking crazy, just like her mother. Um, I, I mean, you have to laugh because it's because the absurdity of it. But also, I'm cynical. That's right. real life. No, no, that is real life. Like that comment, <laughs> that cop. That comment is in every single thread of YouTube with videos with with yeah. women who are attractive with who are well or not attractive. Oh yeah, a- right. A- right. Anyway, <laughs> they're gonna say it like they're like, oh, it's this weird woman just like taking her kids to school. Oh, them titties though. Like, the, yeah. This was about their kids' graduation. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, it's there. It's there. Um. So I thought that I thought that was 
was nice. <laughs> it was a nice little little flavor um, throwing that comment in there. And then of course the, you know, the, just the more doubt, like doubt from her followers. Yeah, a couple people in there. Yeah. I believe you. I'm with you. Um, yeah. But you know, I think a lot more negative than positive, and that's and that's just another um, fact of life is that. You know, for every like one person who's going to support you, you're going to have ten people out there uh, throwing rotten fruit, right? Okay, but then okay, so then again, uh, this brings up that book that I was talking about that that I was telling you about before we started. Um, the the idea that there is a generation of youth uh, or young adults, newly uh, minted adults, that are so attached and connected to social media and find such validation in existence through their visibility and encouragement on this digital platform that that's the only way that they can survive or that's what is really supporting them and making them go on and they need it, the the uh, self-validation. This is a commentary on that. If you were to show uh, a different generational person this movie and and they see this character take out all the other sexual trauma or victim and all that, like just like them needing this attachment to social media, they'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this person? Like this is not a healthy person in general that needs this validation in this format. I don't think this is making, I don't think they're making a commentary on it. I think they're saying like, fine, this is just commonplace nowadays. And this is how she is needs this to survive. This is how she gets support because she doesn't have any other support in her life. Right. It's just her sister and her, so it's fine. It's just normal for them. But like an outsider looking in, like it's upsetting and shocking that this is what it's come to. That this is what you need to feel worth. You know, it's a shitty. Like you could look at it in that lens, and it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. So no, it is definitely fucked up. That happens in the car. Uh, she escapes, and she ends up getting sort of an image. Some people believe her, some don't, but she still feels validated. She's getting more. People that say, I, I know when I've seen it. And people will send her the book. The book tells her, here's how you fight this monster. You need to make a bronze dagger. It can only be killed with bronze. And uh, so she go she go on. It needs to be made by your hands, the hands of the victim, right. which I think is also important. And also symbolizes, because bronze, they say specifically that bronze is the hardest metal to work with, um, that that's. The, that's the metaphor is that the the only weapon that you can fight with is the hardest weapon to make in the world because you have no weapons like you have no weapons against the nameless faceless attacker in the in, in instances of crimes like this and and I think that's why they chose um the the bronze dagger minted by the hands of the victim right okay move on also hilarious that the Unless the video game gives you a wooden sword, the bronze sword or bronze dagger is the weakest shit you're going to get <laughs> in that game, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah, it is It is definitely the first uh, yeah. one you get, yeah. Right. It's it's third place. It's not second or first yeah. uh, also. So at any rate, uh, so yeah, she makes that. So she like she's already done all the things to know how to go on and fight this, and she's already got support. She knows what she wants to do. She's going to go on news. I don't think the lie detector going not her way is reason enough to make her question her life because I thought that she was already committed and had enough of a following to see it through properly. Well, Whatever. it was it wasn't necessarily failing the lie detector. It was it was writing the confession 
Oh right, yeah. That that yeah, was yeah, the, that it, was the they, result. And they coerced yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah, that was the like, result. You have to of do failing. it. You have to. You have to otherwise, we're gonna prosecute you, you for right. lying to us, yeah. which she did. Uh Which she did. I know. Uh, so the news report goes. She she ends up at the station. She decides to get another version of the dress that she wore the night she was assaulted because she likes the dress. Weird connection going up there. Some your your wires are definitely fucking crossed there where you're associating something or still okay with it. It's weird that you can't sep- that you're able to separate that and not be weird about it. I also but whatever. Thought, I also I also thought that was a weird choice. But yeah. Yeah. Like I get it, but it's like I'm still put off by it because I think that's not the way that you should be handling or processing things, but whatever. Uh and the interview goes poorly. Yeah, the the reporter, like you said already, brings up stuff with the past with the mother and pretty much has a it's a gotcha moment where she thinks she's gonna be on there to talk about it and all the things that there's a monster out there, you gotta find it. And the woman flips the script on her and makes her look like a like a crazy person. Right. <clears throat> and so she's in tears and leaves, and then I she must do the interview, the the lie detector after that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's after that. Yeah. So. All that happens. So more or less, she tries to kill herself, is saved by whatever force, goes back to the apartment, and is now. Uh, I don't even remember how it happens, but she, she's kind of like yeah, she kind of has this like ambivalence, like whatever. I thought that she even unlocked the doors. She because she put all this, <laughs> she put all the barrel bolt and and other yeah. pad locks locks on her door. Right. I feel right. like she'd kind of like let them go at first, and yeah. didn't lock them because she was kind of like whatever, I don't care. Well, but yeah. But then the monster shows up, and she then she secures them to keep the monster out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't I don't know what she was thinking there. If she thought it wasn't gonna come for her. Right. Um, it's or, like it hesitated, and you saw her thinking about it. Yeah, she was gonna lock it, and she just cho- chose not to. <laughs> Maybe she decided she wasn't gonna be afraid. And then as soon as it showed up, she was afraid again. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Well, there's a couple different ways to interpret that. Um, I, I th- so you, know, then, you, you could have even thought she was setting up a trap because uh, she has the dagger. So she's going to let it come and, and fight it off. Getting toasty. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so... So it does come back. It starts to break through her door or to try to. So the only other scene I want to just make sure we talk about really quickly because this is another bullshit thing that happens is um, we see the detective and the reporter in the detective's car. They're sort of on a scenic over, right? Right. And this is another moment where you see how shitty the reporter is as a human being. Uh, She pops champagne because she's like, celebrating my big fucking night that I've got tonight. Guess what? We're celebrating. And the detective's like, could you make it to cops? She's like, oh, well, arrest me, officer. Like, pl- like, how is this detective with this fucking awful human yeah, being? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? And then she starts showing the video. But then she shows the video of her dressing down Jane on the air at her fucking report and, like, and, and like doing the video re- report of in her house and saying how her mother was did this and that. And she, it's just like – it's a what, – what is it called whenever they just, like, they – break someone's character assassination type thing. It's it's like that. There's another word yeah. for it. It's not a fluff puff piece. It's something else. Um, but that's what she's doing. And then the detec- she starts more or less getting down with the detective right then. Like, the detective is just like, okay, whatever. 
the detective has a change of heart and right. kicks her out of the car, which yeah. is also insane. Yeah. Because you can get a bus you're for five. Your, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you're you're in the middle of nowhere five in the fucking dark on a road <laughs> late at night, and you're covering assault victims that happen to find themselves in the exact situation that you just left this other woman. What right. the fuck is wrong with you? So she's now on a route uh, to leave to go back to wherever, seemingly to maybe go check on Jan. I can't remember if she thinks about right. something or does. Oh, yeah. You see, oh, this is a, you see she or someone that has the scar. I think. I think there's a scene when they're making out or doing something. And I think I, you see you see a wrist, and I think it's the detective's wrist, and I think that the the moon scar is on her wrist too. Am I making that up? I think that that happened. Oh, maybe it was was it on the reporter's wrist? Because I mean, she never sees Jane's one of them. Scar. It's one of them. I don't it's one know. of them. I can't. Okay. I think you. I thought it. I thought it was the detective. It doesn't matter. Doesn't the detective leaves. Cut back to the, cut back to the uh, most amazing help. climactic fight scene ever in Jane's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. It's a so, cat and mouse chase, man. It's it's and not. Tension, you're on the edge of your seat. Okay, so it's breaking down the door. <laughs> she climbs to the highest peak in her apartment, is trying to break the glass uh, ceiling. <laughs> she was... <laughs> oh, look at that. So here's the, here's some more commentary with some really bad CG on this one because uh, they CG'd the, oh, yeah, all, the, the glass, all the glass all the glass break the glass breaks. Um, yeah. But that's okay. They probably spent it all on the monster because um, the monster didn't look so bad. Uh, so she breaks and the door. The door being sh- like oh right and everything that was yeah, that, that was pretty that was, cool looking like I mean, the too. way that it was coming at the door it felt like a violent force was coming i was like sold but then whenever they start to like i see her punching at the window i'm like she's going to break through the glass ceiling this is lamest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life well how she, fucking stupid she had to get how out of her apartment somehow Who? rodney <laughs> and there's no window or catwalk. The only way to get out is the goddamn fucking glass, Roof, the glass uh, ceiling, uh, cupola type thing that she just so happens to have a fucking eight to nine foot ladder sitting underneath. Yeah. Well, it was a metaphor, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it was another one. It was another one. Uh, okay. All right. So she so gets on the roof. She, she, she well, hold on, hold on. She's not quite there yet. She uh, the thing gets through and grabs her leg. And tries to pull, and she oh, right. she stabs its arm with the bronze dagger, to which the <clears throat> arm pulls away. It was affected by this bronze dagger, so we have we have mm-hmm. that information now. She gets onto the roof. Um, it obviously continues to chase, um, and they they're they're fighting, but she's losing. It's a very quick fight. <laughs> she because she, she drops the dagger. Oh well, it happens quick. She hides. She's hiding yeah. in the greenhouse. The thing is like playing a cat and mouse game where it like slices the plastic to the greenhouse right, and right, then it like right. tears it off. But she sees a barrel right next to it, and so oh flashback. Oh hey, remember whenever we talked about her mother drowning stuff? Hey, spoiler alert. Uh, we're gonna do it again and recreate it as the culmination of the movie because it has more weight. To- so she hides in the fucking tub like yeah. a like a goddamn hobbit or a dwarf trying to leave the fucking <laughs> elves in Mirkwood. She hops in there hiding with her little sheet with her little uh sting dagger yep. and uh the lid's on and the monster comes and the monster knows. The monster can smell it. Yeah. 
and uh, she pops up thinking she's got the drop on the monster, and the monster says, nope, nope. grabs her by the throat, and, and drops starts the dunking she, her. Yeah, she drops the dagger, and it, like, goes over somewhere else on the on the roof there. And, uh... I'll yeah. be honest, I wanted, I wanted the conclusion of the story for her to drown right here. I was like, th- this could be impactful, maybe, because it bookends the trauma with the mother and now this monster, maybe there's something to think about with the mother and maybe there's other, maybe there's other thoughts, but you don't get uh, room to think about that. I, I do. I do have to agree a little bit that if, if she did die because no one listened to her, right. That, that the message, you know, kind of be that. more impactful. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but I do like the route they took anyway for a different reason. Um, so anyway, uh, so it, it pulls her out of there. Or she jumps out yeah, of there. Yeah, it pulls her out, know. and it like it, it like glues its hand to her head, and it's dragging her over to then do the same kind of assault that it did the first night. Right. And this is where it's really in her abdomen, fucking right. around, and she has the same thing. She's paralyzed. She's paralyzed. She's, she's, she's she reaches for the bronze dagger, but she can't get to it. Can't get it. And then out of nowhere, Rodney's favorite part of the movie, you hear yeah. the you hear the cop. No means no. no. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gunshots. <laughs> <She, she> <laughs> no means closer. no, motherfucker. <laughs> he just shoots it a bunch more times. Stupidest time. fucking! I laughed so hard <laughs> at how dumb that was. It was for me the best part of the movie because of how fucking stupid it was. You don't just do that. It's so obvious, like, and it's a monster. Why are you telling a monster no means no? Like, it's a monster. It's got smoky glowingness. It has three eyes that are, like, blue-green. It's got claw hands. Oh, yeah. Why are you saying saying no means no? Why? So separate from this, the... The more you see the monster later, later in the movie, like in the beginning, it's just a smoke thing, and then it's just a smoke right. thing. But in the in the end, you really get to see it close up, and they did a good job on this monster. Yeah, I like. I, it. I really it like. It reminded the me of um. It reminded me. It, it really isn't like Attack the Block, but the blackness of them with the bright light of the eyes was like Attack the Block. Did you see Attack yeah, the Block? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. was a cool creature design. It had a mouth. It had eyes. Um. Uh. For real, bruv. And yeah, so John Boyega. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. It was super annoying, but you got used to that dialect by, by maybe halfway through, maybe. Nick Frost was in that too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was like the ganja dealer. Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, the line is just like, to me, whenever you, this is the pinnacle, this is the culmination of all the things, and you say something that fucking stupid. How can I take this film serious at all? Where that is like the shining moment, the the savior of this character possibly, or this like this finality of the final act. What the fuck? It's like I I I was I'm I was aghast at how awfully that came off to me. What am I supposed to take away? How is that impactful? How is that like a yeah? Like no one's cheering at this. This is not Captain America fucking wielding uh, Thor's hammer. No one's feeling like that. This is like the stupidest, lamest way to take what you're thinking is a serious fucking movie and now you just made a joke of everything you just did because it's a joke. No, it's a joke. So, 
I, 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 it took you out, right? It took you it out. Took, of the movie. It definitely took me out of the movie. I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I didn't. I definitely didn't feel as strongly about it as you did, but I definitely agree that it, it had no place in this scene, especially yeah. since we, as the viewer, know that the gunshots will not kill the monster. Now, if the gunshots right. killed, if the gunshots killed the monster, I'm down with one-liners in my horror movies. Um, yeah, yeah. If that was the end, but that, but we know that it's not because within seconds she she's like she can't move still, and she's like the the dagger, the dagger's how you kill it, and the monster's already back on its feet and tackles the cop off the roof to her death. Yeah. And now the cop's gone, and so well, yeah, and now. And now I already know what's going to happen. The minute I see her going after the devil, I'm like, oh, yep. Guess what? You just killed a detective, you dumb you, bitch. You just like, killed a detective. You're fucking yeah. stuck. Yeah. Now, let, yeah. That, now what happened? Look what you did. Yeah, right. Now you have. Now, yeah, exactly. Now, not only will you never get justice, but now you're on the run as a fugitive, right? So, so the sister shows up right here, right? Yeah, she sh- shows up on the lane. And again, my wording, I'm saying comically reaction. Right. Uh, and the sister's like, the sister says what we both know now. Right. I, I, get, I believe you. I, I believe know you. that a monster did this. Yeah. Um, but there's a dead detective down there, and all of LAPD is on its way here now for yeah. you because it looks like you just killed this detective. Yeah. We need to get out of here. Right. So they do. So they do, and this is so the wrap up is um, something I I enjoyed. Um, so I'm, now I, I want to know your feelings because I I thought I saw something that made me really hate it. But go okay. on. So the sister, uh, who Jane believed had this happy life with the, with this man, um, turned out to have a not so happy life. Uh, in fact, the first thing they say in the car while they're driving, or maybe this happened earlier. I just remember them in the car together. Yeah, it was um, earlier, I think. Where Jane says um, something about like how do how, how are we happy or how how is everyone happy or something like that, and the and the sister says says who says who says we're happy or who says we're yeah. happy now. Um, so that's where you you get this feeling that maybe she doesn't have this perfect life that Jane suspects or Jane that Jane maybe is jealous of. So anyway, so she's obviously left this man to go on the lam with her sister, and they're 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 in disguises and they're in hotels, and they're they have a social network of all these women who have these um, who have these scars, and we assume yep. and they assume that the monster's still after her to some degree, and they're like, you know, almost like. This would be a cliffhanger for a sequel where they start tracking down these monsters with other women who have been assaulted and to kill them all. Like that's what it looks like is starting here is like they're about to like start this group of women who kill these monsters. Um, See, I got the feeling during that scene that she was looking at her phone, she was looking at the feed, and she was seeing where assaults were happening, and then she was looking at her. And she saw Mexico City. I don't know if they were near Mexico City or she talked about how they were should go to Mexico City. It to me it looked like the monster might have been following them. Mm. And 
they're like, we have to go soon. And I don't know if that was like the cops are going to be are tracking them down and that's why they have to leave or like the monsters following them. And so like in my head, I'm like, if the monsters, I hope that they're not trying to communicate that the monsters sort of tracking them down and now they have to go to another place to get away from it. Because if that's the case, the monster is just terrorizing a whole line of other women while they run and don't deal and confront with dispatching the monster. So I don't think that that's what they were trying to say, but that's kind of like how I interpret it, the way that they were saying. Yeah. But regardless, if they're just trying to like go to where it might be to solve it, you think yeah. might be that's what they're trying what, to do? That, that's what I thought. I thought, oh, it's in Mexico City. Let's get there <clears throat> but, as quickly as we can to kill this monster. But I don't think I don't think that that's what it is, to be honest. I think they're running away from the monster or the authorities, and and it pisses me off that this is the conclusion because they both, the Jane especially, have this kind of like, <laughs> oh well, like we're fine, we're we're doing whatever together, crazy and it's whatever, like what, like. I, I guess. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, but, the, but again, the sister in the pool, when the sister, Jane, rather, when Jane is in the pool, she has this expression on her face. Like, she's like, I don't fucking care. I was a piece of shit starving artist that didn't have a fucking life before, and I am now, too. So I don't fucking care. Whatever. I'm just wandering through life, and things are happening to me. I'm along for the ride. I'm a passenger on my own life, is what, like, her expression communicates to me and her attitude. Well, and, and okay. just like whatever. In that in that moment, maybe. But then she says, well, "We we got to go to Mexico. That's where the that's where he is." Yeah. And also, right, the repaired relationship with the sister, and the sister is now out of a a, a potentially trapped kind of uh, situation. You're projecting. Where... <laughs> you don't know shit about the fucking relationship. I think that I she know was, that she, she doesn't felt... like it. <laughs> <laughs> she's trapped now. Yeah, uh, she she, felt, she's definitely so trapped now, now with her with her now. sister. Yeah, because her sister was so fucked up that she had no choice but to fucking bail on whatever life she was gonna have to try to save her own sister. Which she didn't, life she didn't even like. There's a scene with the where she's trying to sell that house, and you can tell that she hates her job. So she was. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. She wasn't happy, but like, I don't think shacking up with your psycho sister. That's a goddamn head case and on a in monster her own fucking hunt. head about everything. On a monster hunt. Okay. In summation, yeah. uh, take back the night. Um, I I had to give it I had to give it a six. I I couldn't give it a seven. Seven, seven is like just I, too much because I probably won't watch it again. But in the six slot, I'm I'm saying that if any of the subject matter uh, you want to see. Um, for whatever reason, doesn't matter. I suggest go see the movie. Um, it's definitely worth it. Uh, I like the monster too. Uh, it's even if the you know bad CG because it's kind of low budge. Um, they the monster looked really cool. So by the end, the monster is a cool character. Throughout the movie, though, it's kind of too vague and not interesting. Right. It's very hard. To, it's uh, very hard to make out. They oh. don't really materialize it. Uh, this film is gonna. What did I give Death Valley? I don't remember what I gave Death Valley. I think you gave Whatever. it a two or a three. 
It was a yeah, terrific. This is this is getting a two for me. Uh, I think it's so on the nose and dumbing down what it's trying to communicate. I don't think it's artfully done. Um, there's redeeming qualities. I think that the main character for the most part is doing the role well, um, but production value is really not great. There's intermittent sound quality. The cinematography has something to be wanting for most of the film. There's moments where it's good. There are. But the dialogue, the narrative, the over-the-topness of certain things that they're playing serious, uh, for me, it just it's it's on the shoulders of uh, a serious subject um, and the only reason, that, or it's on its coattails, it's the only reason it's being shown or anyone's talking about it is because of that subject matter. If this was just a film about a monster in general that didn't have all this other commentary, no one would give a single fuck about this movie. And just because that commentary is in here doesn't mean that now it's important. Okay, like, I care about this kind of commentary. I want to see films talk about shit, but it should be a good film, too. You know, movies that are impactful stay with you are ones that can say something, but also are good films. This isn't a good film. And just because it's about serious subject matter doesn't mean that it is good. And I've seen a lot of this lately, like where it's just, just because you're a certain kind of person or you subscribe to a certain kind of belief and you make something, just because you're in a non-traditionally represented area or subject matter or person doesn't mean that instantly you get a spotlight on you because you're not represented enough. You still have to make a good product. And this wasn't a good product. Well, I will say that they didn't want to make a drama and they made it a horror movie. And I think they still could have made it a horror movie if it was a man. And if it was You mean directing? No, if it was a man instead of a monster. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. I'm yeah. <laughs> uh, and um. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I and that, and I truly, I truly believe that if it was just a mortal man stalking this yeah. woman, um, yeah. that movie would have been better. Um, yeah, it would have been cool. Uh, yeah. Because then you could. Because there were there. There definitely was a disconnect. Like I, I I'm not saying that there's not. Um, right. It's just I, it, it was it's talking out of both sides of its mouth, and it. Yeah. You, it, and dealing with that subject matter is just you got to do yeah. one or the other, and. Right. Yeah, I mean, I give it a I give it a six because I liked the subject matter. Uh, I liked how it was presented. I liked the monster. Um, is there a disconnect? Absolutely, a disconnect. Absolutely. Um, should it should it have been uh just a man probably um definitely would have been a better film um i i also i i think i agree with their choice of making it a horror though and not uh, just a drama because i don't think a drama would have appealed at all okay so um did you ever see promising young woman no you said you have someone seen that so if you want to see a movie that tackles in part some of these topics go watch promising young woman if you think this is a six promising young woman is a nine or a ten 
Okay. It is. It's not horror horror, but it's a great fucking movie, and it deals with these kind of topics. Uh, it's Carrie Mulligan, uh, Bo Burnham, I think is the other one, and uh, it's fantastic. These kinds of topics can be addressed and done in a very artful and creative way. And this just doesn't do it, you know, and it's, it's frustrating. Like it's, it's fine. Like I, I watched it. It was entertained. You know, I got laughs where I shouldn't have got laughs, but it's just, it, I don't think it's a good first showing. Uh, I like the, the ambition is there. They, they want to do something, but I like, it's like in, when I was in school for art, there were certain people that would create artwork that utilized certain kind of subject matter through whatever media, photography, paintings, drawings, whatever. But because it's about this, instantly you have to have more respect or reverence of it because it's dealing with a very difficult thing, you know? And it's like, and it's just because of that. It doesn't matter that it's a good piece of art, that it's a, it's well done or crafted or anything like that because it's dealing with, you know, let's say like slavery or something. And there, it's right. a, it's a portrait of, You've got to be careful. You can't talk about it in a negative way because appreciate the, the awareness or understanding and dealing with the difficult topics of slavery or whatever the fuck. Right. This is like that. And that's why, for me, I have been through so many people where it's shitty work that's talking about serious stuff and you want to find redeeming qualities and there are some. This At this point, you're an adult. You should be able to handle the subject matter more maturely in an artful way not the way that it was here. So it's like, it, it, it annoys me more. So I think because of my past. Right. All so. right. Well, um, so what do you think about next week? Have you thought about next week at all? Uh, uh, well, shit. Um, I, I did a little. Okay. Um, I turned up. Are we going to, Oh, go oh we're going to go see Morbius. We're going to see Morbius. Oh, are we going to see Morbius? No, I don't think we are. And especially uh, not that everyone seems to be shitting on it. Right, right. Um, I came across um, a movie called Hunting Souls. Haunting or hunting? Hunting. And then um, there was another one called Nameless Days. Uh, hunting Souls. Hunting Souls is the story of an American couple who are dealing with the hardships of caring for their sick child. They discover that they are being hunted by a demon. Um, yeah. yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. the, the kids... The, 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 I'm not going to... Yeah. Yeah, Nameless Days <laughs> had a higher score like yesterday. It took one day and it's already like through the floor. Is Numi Rapace's You Won't Be Alone going to be showing in either of our theaters this week? Ooh, does it, does it come out this week? Uh, it came out technically last weekend. Oh. I haven't looked for it again since we mentioned it. No, it's not. No. Okay. It's not, not in my theater anyway. No. All right. Well, so we got uh, Night's Ends. I gave a... Five? We both gave it a five, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Take Back the Night, I gave a six. You gave a two. Um, mm-hmm. So that averages to a four. That averages to a four, which it's like a 3.7 on, on IMDb, and I think um, Night's yeah. End is a four. Um, 
Yeah. So they're both they're both in the same kind of. So ballpark. collectively, we have made it. <laughs> we have been the proper aggregate, so yeah, it's a good so. thing I'm here. Otherwise, <laughs> there'd be some great inflation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, check us out on the YouTubes. Um, we've got some shirts on Etsy. Um, the Twitter, definitely follow the Twitter for news. And, of course, that's where we'll be uh, showcasing the next two movies when we finally decide what they are. Um, yep. This has been episode 16 of the podcast for the recently deceased. I'm Nate Roberts. I'm Rodney Godick. Take care. Thanks for watching.